0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: According to the Red Tops today, today's the day that Heineken put their prices up and public can slam the move by the brewer to hike the price of their pint uh, by up to 25 cent today. Terrible timing, among other reasons why people are very annoyed about it. And there's another story making the Red Tops today that's also um, related to the hospitality industry. So you got the 25 cent pint price rise. Um, keen to talk to publicans to find out whether or not they're going to pass it on or how much of it they're going to pass on. But also, another thing that should be passed on is tips. And of course, today is also the day when rules and laws change with regards to tipping from today. And we know that must be put on, must be passed on, even the credit card tips, and there must be uh, very proper policies in place, not just for workers, but also for customers to tell them what happens to the tips. But apparently, they could still be taxed, according to the Star today. It's an unclosed loop whole that means workers can still be taxed on their tips now how it would actually work i have no idea but they're just saying at the start today that revenue can still take a chunk of the workers tips and people aren't happy with that prospect because uh, despite the fact that those who get tips are usually working in the lowest paid jobs. So a couple of changes from today for you. And if Mihal Martin has his way, he will also change things, particularly with regards to the laws on restricted breeds or dangerous dogs. He has said he wants to see a review of the kind of dogs that people are allowed to own after the horrific attack on Alejandro Missan in Wexford on Sunday afternoon. The little nine-year-old, we spoke about this on air yesterday, his face was torn apart, suffered extensive damage. Uh, to his face and his eyes and his legs and his torso, really awful. Bjorn Martin apparently is quoted from the doll saying, I do not understand why there is a need to own such dangerous breeds. We need to go back to the drawing board. That could signal a change in the laws in that regard. There's another story related to the attack. I'm not 100% sure what it's about, to be honest with you. Uh, And I guess the reason it's kind of vague is for legal reasons in court. But a man appeared in court last night, charged with... Two different uh, offences arising out of the investigation into a pit bull attack, into the pit bull attack on uh, the boy. And that's a man called Niall Byrne, a 27-year-old. He's charged with two counts of threatening to kill after Sunday's incident in Wexford. So that's a front page of making many of the Red Tops death threats charge in dog mall probe is an example from the front of the mirror today. I'm sure that will become clearer in time. Um, There are a lot of health-related matters, and the tragic story of a woman who spent four hours watching her mother die on the floor, waiting for an ambulance in a journey that should have taken just 10 minutes, was before the Oroctus Health Committee uh, yesterday. It's a story that makes the independent. Uh, Her daughter was left with the memory of her mother gasping for breath, uh, ambulance delays, you see, compounded by the crews having to wait for hours outside hospital A&E's because of a uh, lack of trolleys inside and the fact that it can take hours for patients to be taken from the ambulance into the hospital proper. And that cited as one of the reasons why this woman died on the floor of her home with her daughter watching her gasping uh, for breath. There is another health-related story, of course, that's been breaking over the past 24 hours and it has to do with the disease of the mind, Alzheimer's, the first Alzheimer's drug that really gives hope for a cure. They say it is the beginning of the end of this type of uh, Alzheimer's dementia um, and in tests they found uh, that it slowed the progression of Alzheimer's by 27% and they studied people in this major trial for a period of a year and a half so I imagine that's the start of even better things uh, to come um, with the uh, tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees that are here in Ireland and is still coming uh, that, of course, is causing all sorts of problems with regards to housing um, and as to who should be housed first or whether or not we can continue to have an uncapped amount of Ukrainian refugees. And I suppose that's why there was an anti-immigration protest in front of the gates of St. Joseph's Convent in fromoy last evening. It's the front of this morning. Echo, protest against refugees does not represent our town, is what locals are saying. Apparently, anti-refugee, uh, they, well, the echo calls... Uh, Derek Bly, anti-refugee activist, led a group of sixty to seven protesters, sixty to seventy protesters, giving speeches, and some of them at times chanting anti-refugee slogans such as "Get them out" and "Shame." Um, at uh, and apparently at one woman who happened to leave Saint Joseph's Convent during the demonstration, uh, there was a Garda present there as well. At least three Garda cars observing the protests. It uh, passed off without any violence. ...has to be said. Christmas chaos, well, it's not really Christmas chaos at the tills... ...or Christmas chaos to do with trying to buy a turkey. Apparently it has to do with airports. And I suppose Michael O'Leary is saying... ...that nothing has been learned of the chaos during the summer. And he's telling people to be prepared for even more chaos... This Christmas time, particularly at Dublin Airport, because of a staff shortage. He claims they still haven't managed to get that right. There's a lot of court issues this morning, uh, and a man who's not, who's very, he's never terribly far from a court with regards to his uh, his appeals. That's Graeme Dwyer. Uh, they're in the Court of, of Appeal again today. It's interesting because um, what, there's this is kind of new to me in the sense that his, um, his legal team are saying there's actually an absence of evidence as to what caused Elaine O'Hara's death. And that will be challenged in court this morning, the absence of evidence. Now we know um, that you know there also has been um, a lot of appeals and a lot of legal argument about the seizing of his mobile phone and the data take, from taken from it. But apparently in total there will be 12 grounds of appeal being advanced by... Um, uh, by Graham Dwyer and his legal team in the course today, one of them being the mobile phone, the other lack of evidence as to what caused her death. And can I just mention also that this week, Tina Satchwell celebrates, and I say in the present tense because I, have no, I don't know where she is or what has happened to her, but she's 50 this week. And I saw on the online in the examiner that um, her sister, Teresa Dingivan has... Um, Again, appealed for anybody with any information, even the smallest clue that could solve the mystery to come forward. Um, it's a, it's, 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 it's still a live case, right? I mean, I was reading again about it this morning. The Guardian investigated 400 lines of inquiry. They studied 100 hours of CCTV. They searched off the coast and on the coast and land and woodlands and took like nearly 200 statements throughout the investigation. But still, nobody knows where she went and what happened to her. Although Teresa says, uh, that um, she didn't leave Ireland. She said she didn't have any ID with her. She had no money. Her account was never, ever touched. So that's alarming when you hear that as to, you know, where, where she is or whether she's alive or dead. But she says someone, Teresa says, someone out there knows something. Someone knows what happened to Tina. Someone had a hand in her disappearance and she vanished from her home that she shared with her husband, Richard Satchwell, in Yall on March 20th, 2017. So next March, which is only three or four months away, she will be six years missing. You may have been listening to the programme yesterday when you heard me talking to Hunter Halpin's mammy, Cloda on the air. It's a lovely, lovely story of a guy doing a sea swim every day across the month of uh, November. I'm delighted to say that Olivia Callagher picks up in the story in the Irish Times this morning because yesterday Hunter completed his month-long sea swim and it's great to see him getting recognition and a great colour photograph in the Times this morning because he's from second class at Skull e Hegertig. Uh, and yesterday on air we heard him and we heard all of his pals and his classmates in the school uh, at the side Uh, of the tide as he was going in for the last swim 30th swim and indeed I think some of his pals and chums from school went in with him and he raised three and a half thousand euro for the school to buy proper sports kit so that they can um, you know enjoy their sports better Uh, if you go to restaurants I mean I, I could talk about this all day right I really and truly could and I was just talking about it yesterday I couldn't open a jar of jam the day before yesterday I just could not open it here I gave it to Claire and she just went popped it I don't know whether I'm losing muscle power right as I get older I don't know but during the week there was a jar of sauerkraut at home and I was trying to make a Rubens couldn't open it I had, to die, I had to dig a knife into the top of it to pierce it and then get the top off and don't even start me then on things like ketchup sachets right They're they're a dose or do you know I'm going off on one. I know, I know, but I'm on, I'm on the way, so I'll continue. So ke- ketchup sachets—they're impossible to open. So I have no problem with these goddamn ketchup sachets being banned, as they're suggesting. The EU wants us to get rid of ketchup sachets and the small little mini bottles of shampoo from hotels. Now, some people use them, other people rob them, um, but either way, they're saying we need to get rid of these tiny little products for the sake of the environment. But they're 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 nasty little things, aren't they? Those ketchup sachets or the jars of the, uh, the that you can't open and and. Don't don't even start me on... You know the cheese slices? You know the cheese slices? And they come pre-packed in the little plastic thing. And up in one of the corners, they have peel to open. Peel to open? Peel what? Like I could be there 10 or 15 minutes. I eventually just, again, get the knife out. And of course, it's daft because, you know, when you open it with a knife and you cut through the plastic, the, the cheese
2: goes off and off a little faster. But is it just me? Am I the only person that can't open anything? I... Well... I mean... No, seriously. I, I, I can understand. I understand the ketchup sachets. And I, I, I feel like ketchup They're sachets... They're designed by someone who just loves to create pain have and suffering a, but and it's, mental torture. Uh, the thing people. about jars, you can give jars welly if you want because, you know, like... God, I couldn't do it. just you see Claire. Well, well I've just, just, I've just it, found like, your Christmas present uh, now from us all to you this year. It's an, it's an automatic jar opener that you can buy online. <laughs> I Hang just on. Press the the button and an, an automatic jar opener in every house. Oh. You get a, t- a towel, wrap it around the top, I've done and, all then, those and then put it in the jam of the door and twist. But sure, that's manual. That by its very nature is manual, it why, isn't it? Why have they got harder to open? Uh, um, well, or maybe. I, I mean, I know you're going to the gym more often now, so really, if anything, it should be easier and oh, easier. Oh, Do you I need can... to work particularly on a certain strength somehow? How many people listening to me right now? Um, and they get a
1: ketchup sachet they might get it at McDonald's or they might get it wherever right and it says it's got the little perforation supposedly on it mm-hmm. and they actually get to tear it how many people actually have to do it with their teeth I don't know but uh, the, I'd say the, thing the vast about, majority of the us, thing about the
2: sachets as well is that like you're dicing with danger there because if you really give it tam then you're going to end up with ketchup all over yourself so it's really like you have to kind of exert the exact Bandum. correct amount uh, you were right what do you think just a little tubs in tubs. <laughs> well, in the old, well, yeah, I don't know. I'd What'd be, you? I'd be very, I'd be gutted if they took away the little shampoo things from hotels, though. Bring I, bring your, bring I mean this house was, full of them. I travelled I, <laughs> I, 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 I travelled yeah. for a couple of months and I literally had an entire pocket of my bag which just had hundreds and hundreds of the shampoos I was robbing one to use the next place Can and I, then I'm robbing just it, it to use there. the next place I mean, love to get
1: people's, yeah. <laughs> I mean and, and you're right you know stock up as you go as yeah. long as you're not taking the toaster you're not taking the kettle or <laughs> the espresso machine from the hotel room you're alright but <laughs> the pods <laughs> are ok Yeah, draw, draw the line Yeah, maybe maybe the coffee but draw the line on the shampoo tell me about this tell me about this Limerick man would you mind Eddie
2: O'Keefe again, um, the gate crasher yeah um, well he uh, he he. I suppose uh, what, is, what would I say he's on the front of the star
1: this morning he's the lead story in the star a nation holds its bread which yeah, is a and- pun on, jo- <laughs> <a point laughs> on the great George Hamilton's thought- nation <laughs> holds Who whoever
2: holds its bread. told you leaving Sir French couldn't take you anywhere huh? what, you know did, what did he do he walks <laughs> like, up to he, g- a- g- he gate crashes a-, a live uh, TV uh, report so uh, L'Equipe uh, are obviously a famous French sports newspaper very sp- uh, football centric and they were speaking to uh, to fans, I think before uh, France's game, um, I think that was yesterday they were playing, yeah, and I think it was against Tunisia. Um, they ended up winning, I think, but it, they made a lot of changes. Anyway, I uh, was speaking to this fan about it, and uh, all of a sudden, during the middle of the interview, Eddie sees a camera. Here's the French, and uh, and goes for
3: it. <laughs>
2: So
1: the the translation of what the TV guy said is the
2: Irish guy there. He's out of it. He's hammered. Yeah, he's pissed. Basically, don't talk to him. Don't mind him. He's and it's it is obviously the old Irish trope. But I don't know if uh, if um if <laughs> said, Eddie was even you know or did he just see an opportunity and thought he uh, oh, he thought man, he did that's well that's the
1: kind of thing my son would do Eddie, Eddie O'Keefe from
2: Kilfinan County Limerick fair page at there least he got the gender right anyway it definitely is oon baguette
1: there's other stories related to the World Cup thanks Kevin there's this woman apparently who ordered McDonald's online she must have got an awful lot of ketchup sachets with her 160 nuggets and two cheeseburgers apparently she also had a few drinks on board and this is from the Mirror Online she accidentally ordered 160 McDonald's nuggets when she thought she only ordered 20. Uh, Well, she'll have nuggets for dinner and for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner and for breakfast and for lunch. And for the very first time, this has never happened before. We will have an all women, uh, all all women game with regards to those in charge of the game today uh, for the Germany-Costa-Rica clash and the Uh, Referee is Stephanie Frappart. She's French. She'll become the first woman to referee a match at a men's World Cup. In fact, it's an all-female on-field team for this Group E match today between Germany and Costa Rica. There are other stories making the papers today, including the sad, sad passing, passing of Christine McPhee of Fleetwood Mac at the age of 79. Many people didn't know she was even sick, including um, apparently uh, members of Fleetwood Mac Who didn't even know that she was unwell More on that a little later on this morning And of course one of the great songs that she wrote Lines open, you can text 0868-104-106 The
0: Neil Prenderville Show on Courts, Red FM Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022
1: Okay, you know the drill lads you got to get your emails in to be part of uh, the or Well, at least to be in with the chance of winning One of our PaddyBox.com hampers And I'm getting many, many emails, which is great. And we'll be sending the Paddy Box hampers to the four corners of the world. I would love this for my mum, who's 88 years old and living in England for over 60 years. Originally from Cork City, as was my dad, who sadly is no longer with us. My mum was originally from Old Marketplace. Unfortunately, all her siblings have now passed. And she feels she no longer wants to go home as it's too sad especially as she missed her sister's funeral during COVID. This would bring back so many memories for her, especially the macaroon bars. And that's uh, a lovely email that came in from Jackie about her mother, Sheila, 88-year-old Sheila, who's been in England for over 60 years. My son, Dara, went to Sydney on New Year's Eve 2019. He was 25 that December. He arrived... To the fires that were rampant at the time. He stayed in a hostel on Bondi Beach for several weeks with all of the firefighters. Wow. He then got a job, but subsequently lost it due to the COVID pandemic. He's settled there now, thankfully, and we are visiting him for the first time in April. I would love if he won a paddy box. He'd be 28 on the 18th of December, and it would be such a lovely present. Hope he wins, says Audrey O'Brien about her son, Dara. Here's another one for you uh, from Rose O'Connor. I hope to win one of these from my uncle in Australia. Martin Kavanaugh is his name. He left for Australia in 1991. We only see him every couple of years. We post all of these things to him on a regular basis, including the holly bow. He's the only, he's the uh, Irish consulate over there. And we'll be delighted to have a bit of home with him, a bit from home. Or of home, I suppose, this Christmas. He does impeccable work over there, helping many Irish citizens and Australians. He's a barrister and a family lawyer with his own law firm. He's a great man and very deeply missed within the family. He loves receiving our packages from home to let him know that we haven't forgotten about him and how much we miss him. My grandmother died in 2007, and he thought he would never get a package again from home. But us, his nieces, carried on the tradition Because as he says himself, there's no place like home. So Martin Kavanagh, who's doing good work in Australia, is being thought of by Rose O'Connor. I'd love to win one of the gift boxes for one of my dearest friends. Uh, I met him through my husband's podcast. He was a guest on the podcast. He suffered from IBS, That was brought on through stress during childhood and school bullying. But he learned to control it with a strict diet. He never drank or smoked, but had his heart broken and lost all confidence in himself and began to suffer from depression. I became really great with him. He's the most amazing, soft, kind-hearted person I ever met. He's loyal and would do anything for anyone. I've never heard a bad word cross his lips about anyone or anything. He's so kind. He decided in August to sell his car and to take his own adventure... To Thailand. Uh, He is finding himself. He's in a good place, much better place, and I would love one of these gifts for him. He so deserves it, and more. Isn't that the loveliest of uh, emails from Nicole Long about her good friend? Um, I don't have the details as to where he is in Thailand, but I'm sure you can share that with me. And also lads, also share names of people you're talking about. They're important too. Uh, I'm currently at work on a night shift in a small little village in the south of England, a town called Diverton, Diverton in Devon. As much as I now call this home for the past 10 years, my mind is always walking down Panna or the South Mall or going for a stroll through Fitzgerald's Park and the smells of the English market. Take me home every time. I'm here catching up on your show on podcasts, but I need a favor. I haven't been home for nine months with a baby girl on the way. I won't be able to get home to my beloved city on the Lee this Christmas. So the thing I ask you, if you're sending out boxes this Christmas to expats like you normally do, if you would be so great I would be so grateful if you put me down for a box. I'd only love it. It would make my Christmas. Love the show, man. Have a lovely Christmas, and thanks for keeping us updated on the goings-on around the city and county. Happy Christmas to all, says David Reardon in Devon, uh, who won't be home this Christmas. If you don't ask for yourself, I suppose, you know, who'll ask for you? I'd love one of your hampers for my nephew, Kelvin, living in New Zealand. He's having a hard time just diagnosed with cancer at the age of 26. And the hamper would be a perfect pick-me-up. I'm his aunt. My name's Barbara. And please look after him. That's another lovely one. one final one for now. I'd love to send a box to my cousin Jennifer, her partner Ken and two kids, uh, Chloe and Jamie, in Perth, Australia. Jen is getting married here in Cork next year. Ken's a dub, but we don't hold it against him. She flew home during the summer with the two kids, and we had a ball. First trip back for her in five years. Unfortunately, Chloe uh, got sick this week before they flew back to Perth or sorry, got sick the week before they flew back to Perth. So their last week here at home was one of the children in hospital in Dublin. We never got to say a proper goodbye. Um, But anyway, that's Anna, who'd love to see them home for Christmas and maybe in the new year, but certainly would love a hamper for them. And my sister Katie's in Vancouver, Canada. She left Yall Bay in July to start a new life. She'd love one of your paddy boxes at the door to get a true taste of home for herself and all the family. Uh, Be grateful to you, as I know how great it feels to receive one. You guys sent me one two years ago when I was in Canada. And what a treat that was. And that's from uh, Jamie Bottenew, who emailed neil at redfm.ie. So that's just scratching the surface. There are so many other great stories to share, and we'll continue to do so. So if you'd like one of our paddybox.com hampers, tell us all about your loved ones overseas, or indeed yourself, if you are listening overseas to neil at redfm.ie.
0: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106.
1: Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. I want to sh- share a story with you because we spoke of this at quite some length back in 2015. It's the story involving the death of Karen Buckley from Mourne Abbey. Karen Buckley um, was a nurse who actually worked and studied and travelled a lot of the world. She was from here and went to Thailand or went to the USA and went to England and moved from there to uh, Scotland to Glasgow, and she was working and studying, and for a master's in occupational therapy. She was a much loved daughter of the family back in Mourne Abbey, and then she was killed. Um, and a man by the name of Alexander Pacto um, met her. On a night out in Glasgow in 2015 and he recently uh, was jailed for 23 years at the High Court. Um, um, This this happened some time ago obviously but uh, the reason I'm mentioning it now is that um, much of the uh, investigation behind it, it was quite detailed but part of it was unknown and this was the importance of forensics in what actually caught him. Um, and he ended up pleading guilty to her murder. And it had to do with soil analysis. Uh, more on that in a, f- in a few minutes' time. But I, I wanted to get the, the backstory as to what exactly happened. And covering the story at the time, back in 2015, and for some years afterwards, is Barry Roach for the IS, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. And he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning.
4: Morning, to How are
1: you doing? Just to, just to recall again what happened. She, Karen was on a night out, wasn't she?
4: Yeah, she, as you say, she was um, from Morne Abbey, one of a family of... Uh, she had three brothers and her parents, John and, and uh, Marion. Um, she'd gone over to Glasgow in January. Sorry, she'd worked in... Essex in London for a period but she'd gone up to Glasgow in January to do a Masters in Occupational Therapy and this happened in April. She was out on the night of April the 11th with her flatmates and she went to a nightclub called the Sanctuary Nightclub on the Dumbarton Road which is in the city's West End. She went there about 11.20 or so but around sometime around 1 she went to the bathroom and she never returned and uh, she left her coat behind. Her friends were very worried. They came back to the flat uh, that they were sharing and they raised the alarm on the Sunday and an appeal went out Scottish police uh, were um, involved and an investigation was launched and they began looking at CCTV footage and they saw footage of her outside the nightclub talking to this guy. They went to the nightclub and the nightclub couldn't identify the guy but they said that he was part of a group that had booked a booth in the nightclub. They had a contact number for the booker of the booth. They put him in touch with the police, tracked him down. He then identified the uh, man that she was seen talking to as Alexander Pacto and they interviewed him and he came up with a version of Vince which subsequently turned out to be completely... Well,
1: what did uh, he say at the time?
4: He said that he'd met her and that he'd offer a lift home or lift her back, lift back to her flat in Garnet Hill but uh, they didn't They'd come back to his flat and then he said that she'd left about 4am and uh, had made her own way home to walk home. Uh, police were very suspicious of this and... Um, Amongst the things they did was uh, they had a forensic sniffer dog who uh, examined his car and they found um, a sense there suggesting a body had been in the car. And then they did forensic exa- an examination and they found blood there. They found Karen's blood there. He went then from being the last person who saw her and a witness to being a suspect. And they then carried out a search of farmland where he had uh, rented some uh, sheds I think that's called High Creighton. And very tragically, they found Karen's remains in a barrel there that he'd stored. It transpired. It was a really detailed investigation. They'd also found her a handbag in a park called Dawson Park, and yeah. that didn't tally with his version of events. And I think that's where the soil um, forensic scientists that you're speaking to uh, came in, and finding um, his... Soil on his tires there. But uh, they went and they seized or confiscated or harvested uh, CCTV footage from um, 49 premises, roads and so forth and premises. And they found, I think they went through 1900 hours of cctv so a serious investigation and they found footage of him buying caustic soda and things like that it transpired that what had happened uh, rather than bringing her back to her flat that uh, an 11 minute period uh, on kelvin way he struck her over the head with the spanner 10 or 12 times she was five foot two he's six foot four he's a he was a big guy i remember looking from court like he was serious like not only tall but broad as well and that she was killed pretty instantly she had some defensive wounds the post-mortem revealed she had suffered a fractured skull but she had defensive wounds in her arms and hands consistent with trying to defend herself and it seemed we heard during the uh, plea that from the uh, equivalent of the Scottish or the Irish DPP a man called Frank Mulholland. He was the procurator fiscal there, equivalent to the DPP. He said that she put up a fight and fought for her life, but obviously he was a huge man and he he killed her. Then he brought her back. The only time she was ever in his lap was when he brought her back to the flat and he put her body in a bath and he and went off to sleep.
1: Woke up in the morning and starts and googling caustic, uh, sodium soda. hydroxide, caustic yeah. soda. And he actually, went. To, then he went to B and Q and bought this,
4: and they put soda. in B and Q, buying the stuff. Uh, her body was. Well, her remains were found in, as I say, in the um. Yeah,
1: dear, this, the idea is, they wanted to dissolve the body, right?
4: Yeah, and her family came over. Her parents were over, and her know. printing press conference looked appealing for information. It was really, really, and I think it was a. It was a, a story that just caught the, uh, touched everybody in in Glasgow that I could see. There was a there was a vigil on the Friday night. This happened. She disappeared on the Saturday the press conference, an investigation started on the Monday, he was in custody and charged by the Friday, but that Friday evening there was a vigil in Glasgow in, in, um, I think it's Georgia Square is the main
2: square there. Yeah,
1: there was a lot of other Uh, evidence damaged as well, because not only was the Google search for caustic soda on his phone, but also there was a Google search for uh, 220 litre plastic barrels that he was looking
4: for as well. Yeah, there was a lot tying him down at the end, he pleaded guilty, and of course we learned then, at his sentencing that he'd been acquitted of attempted rape uh, as a 17-year-old uh, some years before, and in a very similar sort of scenario, met a young woman walking home, offered uh, to get a taxi with her, brought her down a laneway, and attempted to, um, to rape her. Uh, she managed to cry for help, and uh, people came to her rescue. He was charged, but he was acquitted of that. So uh, I suppose once the police saw him on the footage, they obviously knew more than... There, it was a very tight investigation in terms of media coverage as well. quick too, wasn't it? Yeah, very fast, but very thorough. I mean, when we saw this, or when we heard afterwards... The detail of, I mean, $1,900 of CCTV, that's a lot of Yeah, you know, t- 2000 or t- almost $2,000 of footage they went through, 49 premises, and they, they had them buying the stuff at B&Q, they had uh, the car at various locations they were able to pin down where it actually happened it was a seriously impressive investigation but very tight, from a media point of view, there wasn't an awful lot emerging until effectively, after he pleaded guilty we learned an awful lot that we didn't know at all up until then, because uh, I assumed that the Scottish reporting, uh, the press over there would have police contacts but they didn't, they were dependent on us as us, sorry uh, on press briefings and official sort of briefings so it was very tightly run but very efficiently done and very quickly done and he was charged by the Friday and then by the August I think it was August that that summer uh, he was sentenced and he pleaded but he got 23 years and uh, police were entirely satisfied and the judge, Lady Ray said she was entirely satisfied, it was an entirely random encounter, police did say that they felt he was going to attack somebody, it didn't matter who he met that night that he was in a state, uh, that he was going to uh, find some woman and attack her uh, she hadn't been sexually assaulted uh, that was one of the things that the post-mortem revealed but it was a shocking shocking case. And,
1: Horrific uh, isn't it? Yeah and the, you, cruelty
4: you know, the family of people. were just plunged you just, like there they are they're, they're farming back in Morneby and suddenly they're plunged into the spotlight, media glare uh, inevitably uh, uh, over there and I mean uh, my recollection was it was coincided with the British general election and certainly, I think, in terms of coverage, it was almost, I think there might have been the lead item in Sky a few, for a few yeah. days. You yeah, know, that a, a guy
1: days. like him would be carrying a foot-long wrench in the car
4: with him. Ah, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, seriously.
0: Awful, awful.
4: I, you know, you just don't know where to... And he came from a sort of family, you know, middle-class background, went off the rails with his parents, split up, uh, was involved in a car accident, and... Um, was on disability. When the disability payments stopped after a year, he'd moved into his own flat. He started photocopying uh, money, forging it, like but really ham-fistedly, and he got a community service order, the equivalent of that, uh, 240 hours, something like that, for that, and then we uh, that was one of his previous encounters with the law, and then the other one, obviously, as I say, was the uh, situation where he attempted to... Um, Raped this woman he met late at night down a, 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 a street in, in Glasgow. She was making her way home. Very similar sort of preying on somebody coming out of a nightclub socialising. Very God. similar sort of scenario.
1: Okay. okay, Barry. Thank you for the backstory to that. I do appreciate it. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. Lorna Dawson actually is head of Soil Forensic Science at the James Hutton Institute, and the forensics are very important in this list, like they are more than ever now in all sorts of crime investigations. Lorna, good morning. Good morning, Thank you for holding It's just important to get the back story to this uh, just to go through it with uh, with the reporter who was covering it at the time. How important were forensics and your role in all of this?
5: Well, like a lot of these very, very sad um, cases it 's very much teamwork, so um, I think this was a really good example of fantastic policing by police Scotland right from the very outset. Um, there was a hope at the beginning that Karen might be found alive um, so that everything went into full speed to try and find her at the very beginning. And it's the combination of that, that drive to to, to try and um, and bring her home. It it was just so tragic that everything was done to see if she could be found. And, And so as part of that, a lot of work was done at the outset when, when she went missing. And part of that, we, we looked at um, one of um, Alexander Pacto's boots. And on that, there was soil, which we looked at, which corroborated the information, the intelligence they got that he'd a unit at High Cigdon.
1: What do you mean by um, that, a unit?
5: A storage unit. So he'd um, they discovered that he had this facility where he'd stored um, old furniture, that sort of thing, out at a farm north of Glasgow. And what we did by looking at the soil, we could see which areas that that soil could have come from. And there was an area of about um, a kilometre square that we could see from our mapping. As you've got in, in Ireland, you've got fantastic mapping of the soils. We can use that information to work out where he'd been from the soil on his shoes.
1: Yeah, because I know that the vehicle that he had, I was reading, he had that professionally cleaned, didn't he, thinking that he could literally obliterate any evidence that might incriminate him. Wasn't that the case?
5: Well, that, that, that's the next stage. So the next stage, the, the first stage is the uh, intelligence, the surge. Um, and sadly, as we know, uh, poor Karen was found um, at the farm in a barrel. So so, so sad. Um, but the next stage is gathering the evidence and I, the Police Scotland was so thorough, as was the Crown. The, uh, Frank Mulholland, who was the Lord Advocate at the time, made sure that everything was done to, to make sure there was a case, that a really strong case. And all the evidence together, the threads of that evidence, um, it meant that, that, that he had to admit to poor Karen's killing. And it was the it was the biology it was the, it was the the blood spatter it was the the, the fact that they found um, the spanner in the canal with both his and her DNA on it um the, the, the CCTV all of that the thorough work the time that officers and forensic scientists put into it of course there is no you know you would do everything that you could in such a horrendous yeah. horrendous yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And just on that topic of the soil, you were also able to match because the interior and exterior of the car was probably spotless, but not the tires. And you picked up something on the tires, wasn't it?
5: Yes. He'd 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 gone and got everything cleaned or disposed of. He disposed of the mattress. Um, he, he took his car to get valeted and, and washed. But thankfully, um he hadn't. He'd left the car static, so got, we were able to recover soil on the underside of the tyres that he hadn't washed off. And that linked to Dawson Park, where Carton's handbag was found. So it lets the pl- police work out what happened, answering the where question. So where had he been? Where had he taken her?
1: Do you ever think back to times when that was not available, where there was no DNA available because it hadn't been uh, you know, I suppose uncovered, or the, the science behind it, or, or indeed very little forensics, and no mobile phones to track someone, not being able to study their, their Google history searches. It must have been an awful lot tougher then, right?
5: I think that is the case, that in the past, I think policing was much more difficult and sadly, uh, people got away with it, but Now there's such a wealth of forensic techniques that can be brought to bear, not only on current cases, but also on cold cases, so that they're going back increasingly to recover the productions, the exhibits that are stored from 30, 40 years ago. And they're now applying these techniques to help discover who committed these crimes in the past.
1: But are there not cases that just have no clues as in no dna whatsoever nothing to work with
5: well i think this is why um they open up uh, cold cases and continually review what could be done with the advancement of new techniques for example there was the horrendous uh world's end killing of Also two young girls going out, starting their lives, just having a bit of fun, going out to the pub. And they too were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Helen Scott and Christine Eady, and that was in the 1970s. But in 2014, we were able to apply new techniques that uncovered that Alex Sinclair had been the murderer of both these girls. So there's never a date stamp, there's never a time limit. Always it'll be considered that techniques can be applied.
1: And improved as time goes on. But is there ever the perfect crime where literally people get away with it? I mean, you you can't talk to this, but we have a missing woman from Cork who would be 50 years old this week and next March she'll be six years gone, and there isn't a trace, nor a sign, nor any DNA, or forensics, or anything suspicious whatsoever to be uncovered. Even though she's never used a bank account, she had no money with her, she had no ID, nor passport, she never left the country. And six years later, well, Gardaí here is still as in the dark as ever. Do you know what I'm saying?
5: Well, the perfect thing is not to commit these crimes. Of course. These are awful people that would commit them, and the good thing is that people continually review and that this is so important that the different authorities in different countries keep going back to these cold cases because one day hopefully they will find what happened to that poor girl.
1: So is your type of work a bit like what we see on Silent Witness Witness, for instance?
5: Well it's really we act to support the investigating authorities to be thorough, objective, impartial and look at the facts, look at the evidence. So it's not a motive like you see. You don't get a 100% match and you don't get results in five minutes and the lights don't flash.
1: I know, and and it, that's TV, I know. But it's the same it's, type yeah. of work, isn't it?
5: It's it's very privileged to be able to work in this Is area. It's very rewarding. Up. Very rewarding. And um, it, it's, it's really, really... Um, so satisfying to help people find out what happened to their loved ones, because that's the biggest issue is people are left with big unknowns. And so in such a horrible situation, at least we feel that we can help bring some sort of closure if such a situation happened,
1: You certainly did that and thank you for it. I'm obliged to you for taking the call as well this morning Lorna. Have a great day. It's Lorna Dawson who actually spoke of the family there giving closure to the family. She's the head of Soil Forensic Science and was part of solving the crime that put Alexander Pacto in jail for the murder of Karen Buckley back in 2015, um, just walking home, as we say. Uh, But I want to give the final words to Karen's father, John, who spoke on the steps of the courthouse in Glasgow at the time. And uh, this is part of what he had to say, just part of what he had to say.
6: We came over, and there are no words to describe what we went through. Being told, Karen was brutally murdered, having to phone our three sons, and tell them that Karen was dead was one of the hardest things we've had to do. It all seemed unreal. We were devastated. And all Karen was doing that night was making her way home when she was randomly targeted and murdered by a cowardly, vicious criminal. He's truly evil, and we hope he spend the rest of his life behind bars. Our hearts are broken at the thoughts of Karen's final moments in this world. The thought of her being alone, frightened and struggling for her life. The panic she experienced as she fought for her very survival. But she had no chance against that coward. The last say she saw the last, the last voice she heard was of that criminal who calmly set about trying to dispose of her body so she would never be found. And only for the swift action of the police and the people of Glasgow, we were able to find Karen, bring her home and give her a dignified burial. Not only did he rob Karen of her precious life and future, he robbed us of our beautiful daughter and sister to to the boys. He also robbed us of Karen in death, as we never got to see her, or hold her, or even kiss her goodbye. But it's too late now for Karen. In the future, we hope Glasgow will be a safer place for any woman to walk in, which is their right, and not have this evil murder of fear. We will never again see Carmen in this life. We'll never again see her smiling face. We'll never hear her laugh or, or her voice. And there are actually no words to describe our lives.
1: Powerful words from the Father of the late Karen Buckley, that was John Buckley speaking on the steps of the courthouse when Pacto, the coward as he calls him, the criminal, got a minimum 23-year uh, sentence for her murder. Lines are open. Text 0868 six eight-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104106. I've had more time, actually. Lorna Dawson's background is is incredible because she took a sabbatical at one stage and worked with the BBC. Such was her professionalism. She advised on things like Vera, And she advised uh, for the making of Silent Witness and worked with a lot of different crime authors. So she certainly is one very talented woman. Back after 10, minutes.
2: I'm Rory.
7: And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport
0: every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red
1: FM. OK, Mags is standing by. Just a couple of seconds. I love that story, actually, of Noddy Holder that's been making the news. His uh, wife says that every... December December 25th, the first thing she hears uh, in the morning is him waking her on Christmas morning like this.
0: It's Christmas!
1: She says her head is wrecked from Christmas after Christmas. Of course, that is a reference to Slade's Merry Christmas, everybody. She says if that's not bad enough, she goes through shopping malls um, for the like six or seven weeks preceding Christmas Day. and They're all playing Christmas music. She goes into restaurants and bars and all she's hearing is her husband singing the Slade song. Merry Christmas, everybody. But some of us have an alarm clock and others have our phone waking us in the morning. She has this on Christmas morning.
2: It's Christmas!
1: Naughty Holder has the last laugh, though, because every single year, Slade makes somewhere in the region of... £500,000 in royalties for the song itself. And of course, it was just a bit of a laugh all those years ago, back in the 1970s, 1973, when they recorded it and found that they had a massive hit. And very few songs actually would be a hit year after year after year after year since 1973. And that is, there's another few like them, but that's the one that's earning the band or those that are left 500,000 euro a year in royalties. I mean, it's an incredible amount of money and a great song, too. Listen out for a Christmas song between now and midday today for your opportunity to win some of our Christmas trees from Kiernan's at Douglas Court Shopping Center. Caller Tree and Caller 30 Tree. But two very serious things. I told you this, we're talking about the story of Alejandro in Wexford on Sunday afternoon and the devastating injuries that he's gone through at the hands of this pit bull, which was subsequently put down, and Guardy uh, continue investigations there, and I also told you the story of Oksana's daughter, who's just turned one year old, she's a small little baby, who was attacked by a dog at the Peace Park, the owner of the dog came up and gave Mammy and Daddy grief, saying, what are you doing having a child here, everybody knows me and they all know my dog hates children. I hope the Gardaíche corner are investigating that. Those conversations prompted a call from Mags. Mags, good morning.
8: Good morning, Neil. And How I have you? to
1: say, a huge amount of responses by texts from people who have a ta- who have a, an opinion on dangerous dogs. But what happened and where did it happen?
8: Oh, oh God, Neil. Um, Sunday evening um, at about 3.30, my small fella had soccer training. And the, the World Cup is on, as you know. So I said to him, look. We get up and do a bit of shopping before the 4 o'clock game and you can go into Cork City training then afterwards before half, we get half the match. Yeah. Anyway, look, long story short, we yeah. went up to the shopping centre. Where? Um, in Ballincollig Shopping Centre. Sorry, no, we went okay. up to Ballincollig Shopping Centre. Same
1: day now, this is the same day as we, Alejandro was attacked in Wexford.
8: Same day and about the same time, okay? So anyhow, I get out of the car, two kids, I uh, have three smaller ones, but one was sick, so two of them came with me and we got the trolley and as we're walking to go into the the car park entrance, the double doors, they open up, the electronic doors open up. I'm walking along with my trolley my daughter's behind and my son is skipping along behind. Now, I did notice there was a small lady to the left of me, but a very petite lady, she was on the phone, and she had the most gorgeous German Shepherd. I was reared with German Shepherds, so I would think about them. And a the gorgeous German Shepherd, she had a lovely kind of a wolfy, long-haired face. He was gorgeous. And my daughter's obsessed with dogs, so I was nearly half expecting my daughter to go, what a lovely dog. Anyway, we walked away. I, I'm in the front. My daughter's behind And I'm just going through the door. The electric door's open for me. And all I can hear is like, a ah, or ah. And I turn, and I just see my son was here on one side, and then all of a sudden, he's over on the other side. It's like he's whooped. Like, I didn't see it. All I could see was just like a... I can't explain it. It's like he was just swiped or swung. And now I wasn't sure... If the lady had pulled my child or if the dog had pulled my child. But when I looked and I went, I made eye contact with her and she was on the phone and she kind of put the phone to, and she pulled the dog. And then all of a sudden my son kind of came away from the wall and t- on his tippy toes ran towards me. And I kind of, I, everything happened so fast, Neil. The child ran past me and he kind of went in by the shopping center. So still, I wasn't sure if the child, he's only eight, I wasn't sure if he'd been caught or was the lady. So I said, sweetheart, come back out here a second, because he ran in. I said, come back out here. And I kind of look over and I go, what happened there? And then I looked at Aaron and he goes, it's okay, mommy, I'm all right. And I looked down at his trousers, his Cork City shorts, and I could see dent marks on his trousers and I said, oh, my Teeth marks.
1: Teeth, marks. teeth marks, I've the seen the photographs marks. in the video.
8: Yeah, Neil. And uh, it's the teeth marks, right? So I looked at the lady in the face and I said, the dog. And I kind of looked back and I said, Aaron, are you okay? And he said, Mommy, I'm okay. And I looked at the lady and I said, the dog got my son. And she, say, she said to me, is the, bo- is the boy okay? And I said, I don't know. I said, what happened? And I kind of went down on my hands and I looked at the dog stupidly, and I kind of said, what did you do? And I kind of looked at my son and I said, sweetheart, come in here and I check you. And I said to the lady, I said, could you just wait for a moment, please? I need to check my son. So I walked inside by the centre and my daughter was with me and my son and I picked up my phone because my partner was in the car park and I was thinking, ring him. And I was kind of looking around for people. I was panicky, looks, kind of looking for help as well in a way, Neil, but not looking for help at the time because I didn't know what to do. I still didn't know what had happened with my child. Mm. So I kept my eye on the lady. I was inside the double doors at this stage like so I could see her through the glass and she looked worried and she was on the phone. And Then all of a sudden, I'm on the phone trying to ring my partner and I'm trying to explain and all of a sudden this gentleman just came from nowhere, Neil, right? And I'm standing there and I'm just about to tar- start telling my partner what happened with the dog. And like, this man approached me and it's like he knew before he approached me what had happened, right? Yeah. And he stood there and he says to me, something happened with the dog? And I say, yes. And first of all, I thought he was actually trying to help, you know. And then he says to me, uh, I said, yes. I said, sorry, I said, that, um, the dog, I said, he, he grabbed my son.
1: He bit your I son. Said, she bit he actually bit,
8: your bit son. my son, but see, I wasn't... You weren't sure, sure at the stage. So. I didn't know what wording to oh, I know, use. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of was like, I, I said, sorry. I said, yeah, And then he said to me, he said, no, that dog no bite. And my daughter, she was there, and she said, he bit his clothes. And then this man said, see, the girl say, the dog no bite. And I said, excuse me now, and I went down to my son, and I put my hand up under his shorts and I pulled out the shorts so the man could clearly see the teeth marks and I said to this man, I said, look at the teeth marks on my son's clothes and I pointed to the lady and I said, she had to pull the dog off of my child. I said, she had to do something, something happened with her and my child and then he stood in front of my view, Neil, of that lady and he stood in me and I said to him, I said, that dog is on a list and he got kind of up and he said, list? what list? And I said, that dog should be muzzled in public. And he said, no, I don't know what way it went, Neil, but he just ended up kind of going off and I was just kind of looking around, just look, I don't know what to do. And I just grabbed my son and I just said, babes, come on. I said, we need to report this. So I, but, by the, but then when I was looking, when he was giving out to me, time, the she took off me. With took the dog? She took off with the dog, so she was gone, and this man is standing in front of me. I felt lost. He was. Did you feel intimidated by him, Neil? I was just going to say he was so in my face, Neil. I just. I said if my partner had come in there I just don't know I do know something now Neil I'm shaking I'm shaking at the fact that my dog my child was swung by a dog and I'm shaking at the fact that this man came from nowhere and he just would not wait they left the scene of a dog so so the girl left with the
1: dog and then he subsequently legged it did he?
8: The, I, I, you know, I can't even recall kind of how he ended up, how we all dispersed. I just kind of went to my kids and got the Charlie and okay. my daughter and ran for security. I went looking for the manager because I know a couple of the security guards. I'm so what would yeah,
1: have happened next that you got security Were the guards called? Because you ended well, up no, seeing what, CCTV well, no, footage. What
8: happened is I ended up going upstairs and you see, still, Neil, I wasn't really sure. Like, our, my child isn't marked. There's actually no... Thank God there's well, no... Well, that's
1: just, that's just down to luck. M- but it doesn't take from the fact that the, it, dog, the dog went for dog your went. son. Yeah. He
8: did. And, and he did. He, he actually did. He went to grab... He whipped it. I've seen the video. Him, like, I've seen the footage. You, you obviously him,
1: got the CCTV footage I of the did,
8: door. Neil. I did. I got the CCTV footage. But I can't share it, obviously, because of GDPR data and all that carry-on, you know. Mm. So, like... Uh, now, in fairness, I have to say the shopping centre has been so good to me. I have a still where you can see that it's a, it's a German shepherd. You can clearly see. But look, in, 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 you know, I, I, the thing is, I went up to the security guard and I went up and I reported it. Now, like I just said to the security guard, look, there's an instance after happening down there. I said, look, there was a couple there. I said, the dog is gone. I said, look, this is a mess. I said, I don't even know really. I said, my son is fine. And to be honest, Neil, my my son is a character, right? He thinks he's bloody Ronaldo slash Roy Ronaldo/Roy Keane. He's just a character, right? Yeah. And he's he's going around the place telling everybody he's saved the day. He doesn't realise how lucky he is, yeah. Neil. Yeah. The groin yeah. area. Yeah. But when I was up talking to the security guard, I'm a bubbly person. I don't know. Was, did I come across serious enough? I don't know. But anyhow, look, the security guard said to me, look, relax, girl. He said, we have fantastic footage here way off, get the guard the shows if you want to they can come back here, we liaise with them no problem. So I went away off home and in fairness, the shopping centre contacted me and they said they actually seen the footage and the footage is horrific.
1: Yes, it is. It is the dog goes for, he goes for your son. I've no reason and why. You don't, he's not provoked or anything. Nobody no. gave him a kick or but tried to know put why their I'm hand on
8: to ring your knee? Because yeah. I don't want to be on the radio. Max McKenna doesn't want to be on the radio for this, right? Yes. But you had a man on yesterday. I was right with German Shepherds and there's a man on yesterday and he said... It could be a colour, it could be a smell, it could be something that a dog does not like. I walk past that dog, no problem. My daughter walked past that dog, no problem. That dog looks at my son and something went, I can see it, something went in that dog's head and he just said, I want a bit of this. And he went for him in the I'm also you are right.
1: I can't I can't uh, I can't add to that You're spot on there, but I'm also concerned at the amount of people who then react, the owners of the dog, very negatively in your case oh, your God man, me. and in the case I, in the I Peace tell You're
8: no, right? very Jack
1: aggressive Austin. then when something happens. Neil, I Jack
8: Rustin here, Keno, right? And I, he's a sweet I, he's a mad king, really actually no, he's not, he's a saucy king, he's living up to his name, his small dog, big bark, we we say, right? I can't take Keno out because he'd nip. So what I do, I have to be careful. I have to, he'd nip at you. He's a saucy boy, like my little Jack Russell. He's a saucy boy. Yeah. So he would, he, he's a barker. He likes to bark. So I'm responsible when I take him out I make sure the muzzle is on him. He's not in a, pla- in a public place. Like this lady was parked up outside the entrance to a shopping centre with a German Shepherd on a short leash, talking on a telephone and no muzzle on a dog.
1: And the least dog least should have been place. muzzled in public. It is because on the restricted need, list.
8: I am a champion for, for making sure dogs are on leash because in Ballon College Regional Park out here, it's a disgrace. The amount of dogs off leash. Took my Tino down to the park. He was only We were teaching him how to socialise at the time. I've my dog on a leash, responsible dog owner. All of a sudden, this Labrador came from nowhere and just went over. Look, this dog was playful, but my Keno's not playful. So my Keno could have done damage to that Labrador. But whose fault is that? It's the owner who has the dog. And do you still love the the
1: dog in spite of the fact that it can be vicious? Your little fellow.
8: Uh, my little fella, you see, Neil, he's only a puppy, so I know I can get that out of him. Well, he's not vicious. He's just a, he's small, he's small dog syndrome, they call it, like, or you know, something like that, you know, that kind of way. But, like, I've just got, got to train that out of him. Like, he's a, scared, it's more fear, I think, with Keno rather than. Aggression Do you know He's just afraid of bosses. He doesn't like buggies. So I can see the reaction. He's got hairline on his back. If the hair on his back is going vertical, that means he's angry. But if the hair: What's he vertical, angry about like?
1: What's his problem?: I don't know like the, It was a Jack Russell in the Peace park as well, I believe, that, that attacked and, and mauled the face of a one-year-old child.
8: Well, you see, I tell you another good story, right? Jack my daughter. The, re- Isn't that- the reason the reason we got my Jack Russell, right, is because my daughter there, she had a tough old time, but there last year she fell off a bike. Five surgeries later, she was crying for a dog. So look, we ended up it took us years to decide it, but we said we get the dog. Now initially, I wanted a German shepherd. Can you believe this? Because I was reared with German shepherds and I my dad always said, We never trust a dog's temperament. We were never left on with the dogs on our own. But I wanted a German Shepherd. Long story short, we end up coming across this gorgeous little black and tan Jack Russell, and I said, "Look, we get him because he's a small. He manages our household, small dog, whatever." Yeah. And he's fitted into our family life. Yes, but me. he bite
1: someone to come into the house visiting, won't they? Won't he? No, I,
8: no. He just barks. He just barks, and I, like he'd never nip at right. you. Okay. Once he comes in, he'd be. Rah, 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 rah. But like that, if I was to take him outside, now... I'd I'd be fearful. Maybe it's me putting that fear on the dog as well, you see. What would you like to to see happen
1: with the um, German Shepherd? Well,
8: this is the other side of it, right? Because they left the scene of uh, of a dog attack. Left the scene of a crime. I know that sounds silly, right? But like, I've no, I've no, I can't do anything at the moment because... Like I rang talker guards that night, and talker guards said they'd come away out to me and stuff like. But as I said, sure, there's no details to take, right? And then I rang balancolic guards, and balancolic guards said, "Look, contact the dog warden." So I've been speaking with the dog warden, and the dog warden has literally said to me, "I need to find where this dog is living." So I'm kind of stuck here now with the yeah, moment kind yeah. of going like there's a chance the they've
1: got away with it if you can't see their faces I didn't see any faces your one's got her back to the CCTV camera but well, clearly laws you know have been what broken I, mean,
8: I spotted her a few, this is the thing well, I, I actually when I made eye contact with her afterwards because we didn't make eye contact when I was walking in, but I made eye contact with her afterwards, and I know her from walking up and down Station Road. Like, and the lady looked so worried, and I when I'm thinking of it afterwards. Now I know why she, she should looked be worried. so worried yeah. because she she saw she saw it there, and then she nearly dropped her phone that she was on the phone. Neil, my boy, is so lucky and totally. He's going totally. around thinking he's like he's invincible or something, do you know that sort of yeah, way? But yeah, then yeah. I had to make light of it and I had to show him what happened with little Alejandro and do you know something? I think we need something to happen here because what if it was my son's face or if it was a three-year-old I know, and you I see know. where the dog went, Neil? Yeah. You see, and look, we need laws and look, there's only two dog wardens in the whole of Cork City. This is an absolute disgrace. Why don't City Council give powers to the likes of a ticket warden here now walking around in Balloncolic? And if he sees a list of dogs that's not on a muzzle, he can find that person. OK, it's is very interesting.
1: Not- when you talk of councils, actually, uh, I was contacted by somebody yesterday saying you need to look at the different councils around the country who actually do not allow tenants to have... Dangerous dogs are those on the restricted lead list, I should say, in council properties. So, had a look at that. Galway City Council do not allow anybody in their council homes to have restricted breed of dogs, nor does Dublin City Council, nor does Meath County Council, Waterford City Council. It's it's all, you're just not allowed. You're not allowed to have a dangerous dog um, or one on the restricted list in council properties. Wexford is the same. But I believe, and I've asked Both Cork City Council and Cork County Council to respond by email as to whether they allow it. My understanding is that they do uh, and that they haven't changed the law, but I can't say with any amount of certainty until they come back to me. It appears that in Cork we do not have any law preventing um, restricted breeds in council properties or in council housing estates. Now, you might wonder why I say council housing estates. Well... I guess the laws would be different to people who own their own houses, you know? But a lot of councils now are just not allowing tenants to keep pit bulls or bull terriers or bull staff mastiffs or dobermans or German shepherds or rottweilers. They're just just not allowed.
8: I think it's a case to be made as well. If there's a private landlord, like I'm private renting there as well, but if there's a private landlord, there might be a clause in your tenancy agreement where you could get a law put in to say that you should have no listed dog in the property as well. Well okay. a lot of landlords
1: just don't allow dogs yeah. full stop. They just don't yeah, allow yeah, them full yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. Anyway it's something I'm, that
8: needs to be looked at, Neil, because okay. listen it's, there's too too many of too many attacks happening. And that man said as well yesterday on the radio, not a lot of people are reporting it. And this is why I feel, you know, look, I know my son isn't injured, but I'm his voice and he's only a small little kid and he doesn't understand how lucky he came. Totally and all I want is for that those owners to take responsibility, to put them on their dog when they're out in a public area especially standing hanging around outside the entrance to a shop. Well the centre. thing
1: about it is that Alsatian will do it again or sorry German Shepherd well, and probably has done it before
8: I uh, was just you took the words yeah. out of my mouth so listen listen I'm actually I was a bit shaky coming on to you but hey, I you said, okay now I've, I've been nervous the last couple of days and as I said up my small pet is grand yeah. but like it's just happening too often All and right. something needs to change you Thanks know? Mags thanks appreciate time, it thanks for like, chatting take Thank care you look after anyway.
1: yourself so it's kind of interesting with regards to how Tenants in council houses are not allowed in the Galway, Dublin, Meath, Waterford, or Wexford areas that we check. Restricted breed dogs are not permitted. My understanding is in Cork they are. Text 0868104106. Anna, good morning. Good morning.
9: How are you? Just picking
1: up on the back of my conversation with Oksana yesterday and her daughter. Emilia, she's just turned one year old uh, attacked in the peace park go ahead, you were listening
9: Yeah, yeah, I heard that and I, to be fair with you I don't, the, the whole stories are really horrific, like I'm really feeling sorry for, you know, the parents and the kids obviously, like you know, who's been attacked, uh, being attacked by the dog it's like just seriously, like really, yeah. really, really scary thing yeah. even by the sound of it, you know
1: And, uh, and Your so man then would just carry on, everybody knows my dog hates children, I mean that guy's insane. Yeah,
9: no, that is, that is, that's same. that is awful I, you know I'm living in the city centre myself and I was uh, I'm owner of a boxer uh, my second uh, boxer actually and I'm no expert of training or anything you know so I was always going to the park and socialised with other dogs and then there was this uh, both dogs my dog and the other dog uh, the, the the small dog I don't know what kind of ritual is he actually um, they were playing they were best friends and one of the sudden the small dog went for my dog you know um, he got him, but he by his lip, and he didn't want to release. You know his bite. He locked
1: uh, on. After, yeah, yeah. what yeah, kind of a yeah. dog was uh, it? You know,
9: it, it's small, fluffy one. I, I I cannot say. I don't know what okay. it is actually. To okay. be fair, some terrier, I think. Um, then the second time they were okay. They were playing. They were best friends for quite some time, but then the dog, one of the sudden, went for him again you know, my dog, boxers are jumpy dogs, you know, so I'm not saying that maybe my dog jumped on him and he got crossed with him, you know, because it's basically like the weight difference is is, is big. So um, he he got on him again, then I came another time and the small dog was in the park again and without any reason because I was really carefully watching what was going on, he attacked him again and then I think it was the fourth time when I said I'm not going there anymore, you know, the owners never I was mainly apologized once actually. Uh, and all, we're both
1: dogs off the lead. Uh, yes. And you yes, know that that's, then... that's against the law You're aware of that Oh
9: yeah yeah but that, that is kind of informal uh, dog kind of uh, Park it was early morning nobody was there You know I am really like If my dog is off the lead it's uh, Basically oh, I'm, always kind I'm not, of, you I'm know, not judging you it's,
1: it's none of my yeah. business I'm just telling you by law Your dog needs to be on the lead All of the time everywhere
9: mm, Like what, what do you mean You mean the breed
1: Every dog
9: Every dog. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Nobody's, I think, kind of, you know, going uh, with it anyway. Uh, no, I don't, I don't I think a lot of people say. do,
1: particularly in parks and yeah. green areas. Yeah, now,
9: well, so I so, so I stopped coming there, you know. So that that's all, you know. I was kind of uh, looking for other places to go, and I found the other spot. Always quiet, you know. No kids, no no traffic, no people, basically. And then I had the situation that the man was with the four dogs over there three small ones like a Jack Russell and then the one bigger one like uh, Golden and they all went for my dog at the same time they all were of the lead my one at the time was on the lead and they all went for my dog so everywhere they you go went.
1: people's dogs are attacking your boxer
9: yeah yeah I, I am traumatized actually to be fair
1: well the only answer to that is if everybody kept all of their dogs on a lead then dogs would not be fighting nor would they be biting human beings
9: yeah, but you know what? It's different story when you have a one dog, you know, and you have control because my fella, is really, he's good, he's you listening, you be know.
1: He's powerless against four dogs attacking one dog.
9: Yeah, no, when he when he arrived, because I started screaming my lungs out. When he finally arrived, he didn't know which dog to caught, Obviously, like you know, because the he the, the, the small ones. Yeah, there were four of them. So I kind of told him to take the big one, you know, and he starts walking. So then I kind of, you know, took my fella, you know, and turned, but the small ones were still kind of ah, uh, on crazy. us, you know. That's it was it, it was horrible situation. That's the the, the people really, yeah, yeah, it is, it, is, it is really, really tough, you know, at the time, especially, and I don't know if you see that or your listeners, that um, there's plenty, plenty more dogs over the lockdowns after the lockdown
1: totally totally, yeah. stay yeah. safe out yeah. there thanks a lot Anna I'll get back to the phone lines in a second but I did mention Balancholic on the air yesterday Meg's got in touch I just heard you talking about Balancholic and our Garda station yeah it's got restricted opening times during the week and closed on the weekend but Neil did comment that we have got things so right out here in Balancholic we do in my arse not only is our Garda station having issues but Balancholic fire station has been sitting idle for a year now with a population of 30,000, we have no fire brigade. Balancolig is far from having things right, as you say. We were promised an equal to or better service for Balancolig. We have nothing. My village once had an army barracks. We once had a guard station with guardie in it. We once had a fire brigade... Now we have nothing. Uh, back after the break, text 86
0: Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 Red FM. And you
1: and everyone commenting on dogs, please stop calling and saying the word Alsatian. There's no such breed. It's called a German Shepherd. Just a little bit of history for you. It was called Alsatian by the British during the war because they didn't want to call them German Shepherds. The word Alsatian comes from the place Alsace in Germany. Love the show, says Leslie. Well, talking about uh, German Shepherds, I'll go back to many, many texts on this in a few minutes' time. But, John, good morning. Morning, Dean. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. This is uh, Saturday morning, around about 20 minutes to 10 in the morning in Yall, is it?
10: That's correct, yeah. I just want to just let people know that uh, I was just a walk with my own dog on Saturday morning. I met another guy coming towards me, said, look, be careful going on the road, there's two German Shepherds loose running around so I said fine I just walked further down the road saw the two dogs
1: I'd have turned up. around John you know but you, you
10: kept I, you just want, I understand I understand but look I've had German Shepherds I have uh, dogs all my life I just wanted to see where the autumn of the story so I rang the guards local guards which patched me through to Middleton I spoke to a lovely female guard there and said look our people are not equipped to deal with this um, I'll give you the dog warden's number which he did rang the dog dog warden and I got an answer machine um, Monday to Friday so I rang back again same thing rang back to guards and just told them I said listen I rang the number you gave me dog warden services I got an answer machine Monday to Friday Monday to Friday that doesn't make and, sense you know it doesn't kind of make things. sense because I was listening to the chap yesterday the morning on, and I thought he was a dog warden but your researcher told me that he wasn't but um, that was my experience. I just want to let people know that I rang. No, he's
1: all. with the, he. He is with your your. That's a conversation yesterday with Vincent Cashman, who who yes. it yes. wouldn't necessarily be a dog warden himself, but has dog wardens working uh, with the ISPCA.
10: Yeah, CSPCA. Yeah. My apologies, CSPCA. Yeah. so I, I rang the girls back and basically said, "Look, it's an answer machine. I'm just letting you know that if anything happens, did a, a, did something happen? Uh, not that I'm aware of not oh, that I'm aware. No, it's they, just said they, that They that said, that
1: the they'd said that Two German shepherds Were running around Y'all Saturday morning And went for a
10: man No, there was a man Coming towards me He said they were loose And their heads Been aggressive They had barked at him And he Pulled his dog back And came back up the road Right, so these were just Loose on the road These had got out of a house Yeah, got out of a house And And they were aggressive gone, Towards him Towards him Yeah, yeah Yeah, so Were they apprehended At any stage, you know I don't know. I don't know. My last conversation with the guards was that um, this, uh, this one we did send a car up and see what they could do. Yeah. That their personnel were not trained or equipped to deal with it, and I understand that as well, but no dog warden services available uh, Saturday morning or, yeah, or uncontactable. That was the number I was given by the guards.
1: An answering machine Monday to Friday. An, a- so. an
10: answering machine you know, Monday to Friday. Anything so. that
1: happens with regards to dangerous dogs or dog attacks, so it happened, must happen Monday to Friday. What Look, that
10: was just my experience. I All just right. want to ring, ring in just to, just to let you know. All that, right. Uh, Thanks, John. Appreciate it. I've worked with these
1: dogs for fox and badger baiting. There's no way these dogs should be allowed in any household. The only way to get a pit bull off is to choke him around his Adam's apple. But you only have 10 to 20 seconds to do this. Um, you'd be a brave person now to take a pit bull by the throat. The bottom line is that no dog should be off the lead in any estate. No owner ha- will ever have 100% recall. Too many idiots see their dogs as their babies. All dogs have the potential to cause harm. It's always 100% on the owners, no matter what the breed of dog is. They all have the potential to cause harm. I can't believe these pit bull owners are comparing Jack Russell's to pit bulls. Do they not realize the force of pressure when the when the bite? Uh, it's totally different. You could have a well-trained pit bull and one day he has a pain in his tooth or isn't in good form... And he can change from being well-trained to attack mode in seconds. It's been proven over and over. And there's loads of these. These people with dangerous dogs need a wake-up call. A Jack Russell might nip you, but a wouldn't maul you. It's all about breeding. Farmers don't use greyhounds or terriers for working cattle and sheep. And security don't use poodles for guard dogs. These dogs can't be trusted. They are bred to fight, but of course there are exceptions. I walked past four of my six bull, bull terriers a few months back when a guy passed me with his Labrador. My dogs were muzzled, which I hate doing, by the way, but I still do it, on the Bull Terriers. Guess what? His lab jumped up and attacked my dog. How's this fair? I pulled my dog away, thank God, but the guy didn't even apologize and walked on. Now, how, Now, how is my dog supposed to defend himself? If it was a full-on fight that broke out, then my dog would be dead, and my dogs are family. Dogs are ten times better than people these days, and maybe people would want to realize that. So don't let a few clowns with their dogs give the rest of us a bad name. This breed is the best ever and the most loyal, fun and caring of all. He has six Staffordshire Bull Terriers, but keeps them on a lead and indeed muzzled. I'd be terrified of those dogs. I would not go near them as they can turn in a minute. Sure, a Jack Russell can bite too, but look at the size of their small mouths. What real damage can they do? Uh, Well, you know, you want to go and see Oksana's little one-year-old child to see the kind of damage they can do. Anyway, back to the the phone lines we go. Line two is Egla. Egla, good morning.
11: Hi, hi, good morning. How all are you?
1: Jump in there. What are your thoughts?
11: Well, to be honest, like, it's constantly blaming the dog is not fair either. It's like painting them with the same brush as well. It's like saying, it's discrimination against the breed. It's all how the dog is raised and doesn't matter like what kind of dog you have. If, if you have an aggressive owner, your dog is going to follow. Well,
1: it. the last couple of incidents involved Jack Russell's and they're not on any dangerous dogs list.
11: Well, yeah, but I mean, in any kind of big dog, you don't have to say just Pitbull is a dangerous breed. You can have a Labrador because I myself had a Pitbull for 10 years and I had no issues at all. And he actually was attacked by a Labrador, believe it or not. And he didn't do anything. He just kept on walking. Really? Yeah. Like, he A pit bull went, 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 just walking. didn't respond. No, nothing. So I was walking with him, and the Labrador just, again, off the lead. And he just went and bit his leg, and my dog just, like, pulled away, and that's it. Now, I did kind of, like, push off the Labrador and screamed at the owner, like, hey, get your dog away. But he did not have one growl, nothing. He just looked back and just, like, just kind of stiffened up and that's it.
1: Right. And did your man apologize or anything? I'm just curious as to how he reacted. He just
11: came in and I was like, oh, 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 so sorry. And that's it. But like, I mean, what my fear is when I was walking my dog is like, the dog's off the lead because they do come for the dog. Like, okay, I know my dog won't do anything. And I know people have bad ideas about pit bulls, but he looks aggressive because he's 40 kilos of muscle. Yeah. But like, nothing. Like, he never, ever... You've never, ever seen
1: me. him react neb- negatively or once. go for anyone? Never.
11: And he actually, in Peace Park as well, he got bit by a Yorkshire in the nose. And, you know, their teeth are very, like, sharp. Yeah. And, like, his nose started bleeding. He just licked his nose and walked away. So, like, how can you What's say going through his head, like, that he
1: doesn't...
0: What
11: do you think's
1: going through your pitbull's head that he doesn't react to anything?
11: He... he, he like, it's just temperament. It's like the way he was raised at home... Like he he was he was my like okay, not baby, but like he was a house fetch, he was a house dog, he was not an outside, he learned how to act with people when we got him first, he was afraid of people, and then like we kind of introduced him and all that, and like you learn, you teach the dog, and i in my belief it's it's they follow the owner all right.
1: Okay, well, there you go. That's why not all dogs are the same, says you. Thanks for that. Thank you, Agla. Yeah, no problem. These dog owners are away with the fairies. Even trained dogs can turn aggressive. Why do these people say what they say with such confidence? Their attitude alone is enough proof as to why dogs attack. Hap- or dog attacks happen. They think their dog is special because it's trained. It will never turn aggressive. Ah, come on. Dogs who are aggressive, say, for instance, while eating, should definitely be muzzled at all times. With any dog I ever had... We should be able to remove their food from their bowl during eating. When this would happen, the most the dog would do would be to wag its tail waiting for the food to be back on the ground. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but I can also understand why a dog would get annoyed or peed off. I mean, so would I, having my dinner and some smart Alec decided to come along and take the plate away from me off the table. I mean, think about how you just think about how you might react to that, um Liam says tenants of social housing should not be allowed to house dogs on the restricted list. We must start somewhere. We can start with social housing. This, I believe, is a condition of rental with Galway corporation housing, says Liam. Yes, indeed, we did check that out, and I referenced it a few minutes ago as to the amount of other corporations or councils that ban restricted dogs from social housing, as in you cannot be a tenant of any of their homes if you have a house, a dog on the restricted dogs list. In Cork City Council and Cork County Council, it is my belief that you can. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break.
0: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106, Red FM.
1: My next door neighbor has a Labrador and he's after trying to attack me, my two-year-old and my 12-year-old who is now terrified even to go out. There's no satisfaction from the owner. We also have had two bull staffs uh, on the way to school every morning and one comes over to us every time for a rub. It's all about how they are reared. That's interesting. Uh, Why anyone would get a pit bull in the first place, I do not know, says Pat. Other dogs may be snappy, but the damage a pit bull does is off the scale as seen in Wexford. Uh, Another one or two here. Everybody knows Jack Russells are trouble and nippy and they'll bite and attack, but the Jack Russell owners will defend the breed the same as bull staff owners do. The difference is that bull breeds can kill And all types of morons have these dogs, unfortunately. My pit bull was socialized from day one in daycare with other dogs. He's a big, strong cuddle bug, but I never underestimate his strength and potential. I would recommend these dogs only in a loving environment and that's just a selection there's lots more like that which we'll pick up after 11
12: hey it's Dave join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home big hits loads of fun features and traffic info what more could you need join me weekdays from 4 Dave Max Drive
0: 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil
1: Frienderville Show. Whoever sent it in to me, thank you. I hope to find it and read it out in a few minutes' time. Oh, can I just also just do a little bit of housekeeping because it's this time of the year when you're going to see an awful lot more activity with regards to, um, you know, charitable organisations getting together to try and help people at Christmas time. And every year I mention, although this one hasn't happened because of COVID for the last couple of years, but my sister-in-law, Bridie's annual coffee morning is back again and it happens this Sunday, half past nine in the morning to two o'clock in the afternoon at Ballinlock Community Centre. Now, all of the proceeds of the coffee morning are in aid of Marymount Hospice and everybody is invited to come along and to buy and to taste, have a cup of coffee or tea or some cakes or buy some Christmas cakes. There'll be Christmas cakes there, puddings as well. They'll have spin the wheel. Santa Claus will arrive there's a very special children's corner as well where the kids can have a lot of fun. So that is this Sunday it starts at half past nine until 2pm at the Ballinlock Community Centre and all of the proceeds for this coffee and cake morning Christmas cakes and puddings and mince pies and all sorts of things like that go to Marymount Hospice so everybody's welcome half past nine to two o'clock this coming Sunday at Ballinlock Community Centre Lines open text 0868-104-106 and just a few of those texts regarding the dog attacks you've been talking about there would be fewer people attacked by dogs if owners just kept all of their dogs on leads while in public places which is what I said and it's the law anyway just go to any public park any day you'll see dogs on the loose which is unfair to children and everybody else who might well be afraid of dogs says Ray I agree with you Uh, Another few like that I'm not anti any type of dog but it's an almost natural instinct to be cautious or even scared isn't it yeah I'm afraid of dogs I've said it many times before I don't know the dog I don't know what they're capable of I've been bitten by dogs in the past and I don't fancy any more of that anyway Um, Particular types of dogs or even larger dogs can make people scared. Most certainly, certain breeds are more dangerous than others. We, a family of six, moved into a new house this year. Within an hour, a pit bull appeared right in the back garden. As we have a little dog and I have a toddler, niece and nephew, I immediately went to locate the owner by knocking on all of the doors. Eventually, I found the owner, and when I explained, he found it quite amusing that one of his two pit bulls had made his way through numerous gardens. Amusing. This has happened two more times since. The dog does seem to have a quiet temperament, but nonetheless, I am concerned. I cannot now allow my very small dog outside, unsupervised, for fear of this pit bull appearing and what might happen next. After this recent incident in Wexford, I'll be going to the guards if it happens again. Thank you for that. Uh, and I see a lot more. We're a, we're a lazy race. 90% of people wouldn't put the care and time into training a dangerous dog. They should be banned from all residential settings, says Alan. And then one here, there are no bad dogs, just bad owners. They're like children. It's how you raise them. Nature versus nurture. All dogs should be licensed and leashed at all times. People should not be allowed to own dogs without completing some sort of dog training course. And then dogs are more important than people nowadays it seems. They protest at Correheen Park but they never protest about people sleeping in doorways. This is a country where a dog has more rights than a person. These attacks will continue to happen. And then people critical of dog wardens who never go for instance up to areas like Poppins Park. No one ever has their dogs on a lead there and they leave them go to the toilet all over the place even in the kids playground. And somebody else suggesting they can no longer walk alone on Inchidani or Longstrand because of dogs. I just don't trust dogs. Uh, and that's just a selection. There are reams more like that, which I'll come back to. Pick up the phone 0818104106. Text 0868104106. Um, Nora standing by. First up, John. John, good morning. Good morning. Okay, I'll blast through a couple of quick calls. Your thoughts. Okay alright? I'll come back to you in a couple of all seconds right. Time when you get yourself sorted. Hang in there. Nora, good morning.
3: Morning, you. Um, yeah. Just uh, taking up there on the point about dogs. I mean, anybody who turns around and says that uh, the dog is properly trained and this is all, the, the secret of it is, is training your yeah. dog properly. Yeah. You have to understand that we are looking at dogs through the minds of humans. Dogs live in different worlds animals live in a different world to us they dip in and out of our world and when they're in our world and they're lying at our feet they're very nice and they're very you know careful and with children and all that kind of thing but you take your dog out for a walk you're taking your dog for a nice walk the dog is doing something completely different that dog is in dog mode he's out there sniffing if it's a poodle if it's a pit bull if it's a german shepherd they're out there sniffing. They're out there peeing, marking their territory. Yeah. They're yeah. darting back and forward. They're yeah. alert. They're watching everything that's around them. They're yeah, we don't know what's going through.
1: It. I like the. I like how you put it. They dip in and out of our world. I get what you're saying there. Yeah, like a texter says, we have a little slob of a French bulldog. Lovely temperament. Very easygoing. But he's still a dog. You know.
3: Well, this this is the thing, you know, and this is what people have to understand. I was walking my dog, a, a terrier, last year near a housing estate and on, on the main road the houses were to the left and a park was on the right and suddenly my dog was on a leash suddenly this big rothweiler came bounding across the park out onto the road across the street and jumped on my dog now my dog was totally defenceless because I had a leash on and whatever I was shouting I was stamping I nothing the, the, the rothweiler was in another world in another zone now, he was probably a perfectly trained pet when he was at home and licking the babies and all that kind of thing. The only thing I could do was let the leash go. And my dog got out from under the Rothweiler and ran through a gateway and into the housing stage. And I ran after the two of them. And my dog cleverly got under a car so the Rottweiler couldn't get at him. But, like, I mean, that's the thing. See, we, we, we are looking at the dog. And would you worry that Our, um, it happened
1: to be a dog in your case, but that equally could have been a Rottweiler at a child, for instance?
3: Of course, they don't distinguish. They pick up a scent.
1: Well, maybe, but, maybe they they, they, but are you sure they don't distinguish? Because they know, you know they, they think as dogs, they see other dogs as, as being a threat. Would they automatically, naturally, all of them think that a child would be a threat?
3: Well, you see, the scent is what you're working on. What they're picking up, you know, from other dogs, it's the scent. They mark their territory all the time. You know, the child could be a threat, just in that time, a scent, that they pick up off the child. I'm not a dog, I don't know, but this is what the physiology tells us, that even, uh, even a, a terrier, a small terrier, can uh, attack a child for no reason. A baby in a crib could be the scent of milk.
1: Yet they say you know? that Labradors are responsible for more human attacks on humans than any other breed.
3: Well, you can break it down, but I mean, you can have a lion lying under a tree and looks like the most, most docile creature in the world. But when it's time for that lion to do lion stuff, it's a different story, you know? Yeah. And I mean, some of yeah. these dogs, like, you know, have greater capabilities. Obviously, a pit bull, a staffy, a German shepherd, whatever, they'll have a different capability to a poodle or a... But they can also do damage, but their capabilities are different. That's going to make them any less dangerous we have to be careful that we don't look at dogs through the eyes of humans and say, Yeah, well, I know uh, they're all different like
1: even I was just looking at some research this morning other, there's other research incidentally to say that pit bulls are the highest dog attacks per breed but so you don't know whether it's pit bulls or mm, Labradors but more research then says that even on the top five list of dogs that are labelled aggressive the chihuahua comes in at number four
3: well, Exactly you see it's got nothing it's, it's, it's a dog you know it's got to do with and I mean you know, you can train the dog but if the if the owner isn't trained about dog or animal physiology, then you have a problem. They need to know what they they need to know what their dog is capable of. You know?
1: Okay, nice one. Thank you for that. I don't I know understand. if John is still there. John, good morning. Y- yes. Okay, go ahead. What's on your mind?
12: Um, I think the, the owners when you end up owning a dog like a pit bull, have yeah, to use it's a bit of work. But the common sense must be on a lead. It shouldn't happen that it has access to children unattended.
1: Well, even if it was on a lead and muzzled and say a dangerous dog gets off the lead, if it has a muzzle on, it limits the damage it can do.
12: True, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's quite true. But unfortunately, it's on a lead
12: and it's a proper lead, a decent lead, and you you have to be careful what you're doing. I didn't set out to have a pit bull myself. I just took it as a pup. But I've had dogs most of my life, and all dogs are capable of doing harm. If they're not socialised, you always have to be careful, especially with children. Mm. Mm. And if you're careless, this is the price. But you see, the thing, the difference is, if, if
1: a small child pulls the tail of say a very placid small dog, a house dog. Yeah, I, I, I give true. an example Unlike always of my own dog.
12: Do that much damage, even
1: if it does go, it, it probably won't. It might bark, or it might might. The worst thing it might do is it might might might, snap might be something. snap or something. But if you pull, if you yeah. do that to an aggressive dog on the dangerous dog list, um, the damage is massive because of the jaw horrendous.
12: power. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's um, I'm my dog died there a couple of years ago, and I wouldn't dream of getting another one for the simple reason I you can see all where the laws come, and that um, they'd probably have a cull, I imagine. And I feel so sorry for the the, the child that was attacked I and mean, horrific. I and mean, it's way up. It's there just right that we're hearing too. M- we're loud.
1: hearing too many of these stories, you see, and that's why Mehan Martin says yeah, well, we have to like, go back to the drawing board.
12: During the pandemic, there was dogs, you couldn't even buy them, they they increased in value, any kind of a thing because people were so bored they started buying dogs to get out and you know, you have so many mixed breeds these, these days of quite large dogs and you don't know what you're dealing with and you never know what you're dealing with unless you get it as a puppy and you Keep an eye and see the show any aggression.
1: Actually, that's a very good point. If you just don't mind me picking up on that, because the texter said there are dogs that have been rehomed that should never have been rehomed. Some of them you are very dangerous, and, and that's why they were given away in the first place. But not all of the you rescue have to ask dogs were.
12: that when somebody's giving away a dog like that. Why?
1: Why? Yeah. And but then they're being rehomed then. And some of these rescue dogs are not fit to be rehomed, they're saying. That people actually yes. have taken in dangerous dogs. And that's why they were rehomed in the first place. It wasn't that people got bored walking them. It's that they were dangerous.
12: Unfortunately, they have a certain value to monetary value to some people. you know, because I never considered any a dog. I never bought a dog in my life. I wouldn't pay for a dog. I would, there would always be something in a rescue center or something. You Did know? you
1: ever have any issue with your pit bull?
12: No, no. But I was careful because I have, have children, I have grandchildren now, and I, you just can't take the chance. What would you do Any if there dogs. were
1: grandchildren in the ho- in the house?
12: I couldn't have near them. There. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust them because a child has no sense. It may have food in its hand, you know, and you might get mixed signals. And people don't realize you, you will get completely bad dogs, even mentally ill dogs. You can do nothing That's it. right. That's right.
1: That's right. So, you would have taken every single precaution necessary if anybody called or yeah, your own children or you went out with a lead and a muzzle?
12: Well, once he showed the teeth at all to anybody for no, for no good reason, he, he'd gone. You know, that's it.
1: But he, he passed, passed away, did he? he? I, I mean, no he, chance, Yeah, you know. but you never had a problem. He passed away naturally.
12: He passed away naturally, and I was maybe a little lucky, but I was always careful, and you. If you throw them out the back garden and leave them there, totally unsocialized, they're not used to people. They should be so used to them that it not bother know. them. Yeah, they
1: you're know? right. Yeah. You're asking for trouble, aren't you? Isolation will lead and to like, all sorts of problems.
12: You get this thing, and it's suddenly you think, oh my God, what am I going to do with this? I'm walking I haven't the time. This thing is thrown out the back. The very minute it gets out, it creates havoc because it doesn't know where is it is.
1: Freedom. Uh,
12: yeah. Freedom, yeah, and it goes bananas. But you can just get bad dogs; they're absolutely terrible things. It just happens. You can get a dog that just you can do nothing with it. Yeah, okay. It's just not right, you know. All right, nice one, John. So you have Thanks. to make a decision then to say, "Look, I'm sorry. I have to put you sleep because I can't give it to anybody. It's going to do the same."
1: Rather than have it rehoused, uh, I'm, I'm quite. I would hope though that you know when rehoming yeah, but, dogs. Those that are doing the rehoming are not rehoming dogs that have bitten someone, and the person who gets the dog uh, isn't aware of it.
12: They might have had time for it, no the if it's slung out the back for six or twelve months, and then they would say, "Look, I'll, I'll just get rid of it." Yeah, yeah. Too much trouble. Like that. Yeah, okay. Too much trouble. All right. Okay. So, uh, thank you, John. Uh, thank you. Unless you get them and they're young, and you can, you know, bring them, you know, watch what you're doing with them, you have no chance at all. Second-hand pit bulls, get about it. It does work, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. See, well, I buses like everything that should come with the warranty or a history, you know?
12: They don't, and people are just so glad that someone will take them. They don't, they'll say, ah, oh, he's grand. Yeah, look, you know, yeah. yeah. Look, the owner is inevitably responsible for any damage that the dog does. So, I don't know how this case is going to pan out,
1: well, the Alejandro one is still under investigation and uh, there's an individual...
12: I, I, don't, I don't think there's actually much can happen. All he'll say is, is, is an accident. A dog escaped. And where do you go from there?
1: You are looking at a two and a half grand fine and possibly six months imprisonment. Well, I'm not saying that that would happen, but that's the potential of what could happen.
12: That's the potential. It's pretty low considering what did happen
1: Le? this could lead to a change in law though it could really or, uh, I mean if Leo me. Martin says why anybody would want he, in his words not mine why anybody would want to keep a dangerous dog on a restricted lead as a family pet is beyond him so he said
12: worse than it's that because effect. of other people's carelessness that this situation you have to be very responsible I mean there are other dogs there even worse, the Japanese Akita they're on the list on the as, as the well list. I know, but people don't realise what they are. They just look like a beautiful husky type of thing. And you think, oh, that's a lovely dog. But the pit bull, I'm afraid, stands out. You, you don't need to know a lot about dogs to know what a pit bull is. You just look and you, you've got a pretty good idea.
1: Pressure per square inch with regards to the jaws. All right, John, thank you Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Text 0868 Amy's in Gronne, Abrora. I may have spoken to Amy in the past, a few years back. Their son was attacked in, in Gronne. Amy, good morning.
13: Good morning Neil, how are you? How is he? Um he's he's friends, he's back to himself, but um just in terms of follow up that we had at the time. What kind of
1: a dog was that, incidentally?
13: It it was like a mixed breed, so it was a German Shepherd mixed with something else I couldn't tell you. He was kind of browny fawny colour.
1: And where you were you there and who what what happened?
13: So we were actually we were at my cousin's um, her little Fella's first birthday party, and the kids were outside in the green area playing. And there was a couple of youths came in to the green area, and they basically set the dog on the kids,
1: just off the lead and 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 uh, and encouraged the dog to go. They they encouraged the dog to go at the kids.
13: Yeah, and isn't that insane? it's, it's terrible Like they, he, the dog Pinned my son down Now luckily He escaped With a couple of scratches And a fright He was He's eight now So he would have been Five Okay Five had just turned five At the time Okay
1: but he was still Attacked nonetheless And the, the, dog, yeah. the dog Was encouraged to attack The kids by the characters Who came into the park What happened after that?
13: Um, after that, I I was speaking to you, so I got into my car, I tried to find them. In the end, we ended up locating them and the dog, um, went to the guards about them, gave the guards their full details, and maybe about six months down the line, the guards said, there's nothing more we can do.
1: Um, did they manage to track down who owned the dog?
13: They did, they tracked him down, they cautioned him, and that was the end of it.
1: Right. Okay. Nobody was fined. Dog wasn't. Nobody taken was
13: fined. Nobody was held responsible.
1: Was Their it because they were children or what?
13: Exactly, they were under sixteen, so they couldn't do anything about it.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting, isn't it? That you again. It's another example of age means you get away with the crime.
13: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the dog eventually went on to attack a couple of other people because of what they were doing setting the dog on people um, and I'm not entirely sure if it's true but I heard that the dog was eventually found dead near Fishers
1: Park dead
13: dead yeah
1: under suspicious circumstances dead yes and when when you went to the guards originally and they said that there was very little that they could do and these characters got away with the caution were they aware that people had seen them let the dog off the lead to attack the children?
13: They were. Um, as I, I think I told you at the time, we were we were actually my cousin's little fella's birthday party. And it was her sister-in-law had actually pulled the dog off off my son. If she hadn't have been there, he probably would have had a lot worse injuries. Um the boys ran off, they had the dog, um, dragging the dog with them on, on a rope. It wasn't even a lead, it was a rope that they had for did the dog. Did they live local? They did.
1: Yeah. And they t- weren't
13: too far away from us.
1: Okay. Um, and this was what, two, three years ago, wasn't it?
13: It was the twenty it was the twenty eighth of September two thousand and nineteen.
1: Okay. You didn't consider taking a civil action against them or the family or anything, no?
13: No, it, like for me to go down that route you know they wouldn't they wouldn't have done anything nothing would have been done they wouldn't have been held responsible but the
1: dog then went on subsequently to attack other people
13: exactly other people right and i think he actually caused severe injuries to one person from what i had heard
1: See, my understanding um, of that was if the dog warden had been involved in that case, right? That, that it
13: did. You, you actually, like, I was listening to the man from Y'all there that said he called the dog warden and the dog warden was only available Monday to Friday. Again, I had the same issue and it was actually yourself that managed to get me in contact with the dog warden at mm, the time. Mm, mm.
1: See, I would have thought that that dog would have been taken by the dog warden and put to sleep. No.
13: They didn't do anything at all. Well,
1: we need to get more serious about these things, don't we?
13: It definitely does. Now, on, I didn't see the pictures of of this, this child in, in Wexford. I didn't see them. Um, but my parents did, and my parents were telling me that they were horrendous, Unbelievable. that he was left Torn with life-changing yeah, yeah. injuries. You know what I'm saying? I'm very lucky that my son didn't end up like that. True, true. But again, the follow-up from authorities didn't happen.
1: Shamefully didn't happen. All right, Amy, thank you. Text 868 Back after the break.
0: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red
1: FM. Okay, still to come between now and midday, of course, an opportunity to win panto tickets for the Opera House and also to pick up some Christmas trees. Uh, we'll be opening the phone lines when I play a Christmas song between now and midday today for Kiernan's Garden Centre in Douglas Court Shopping Centre. I'll endeavour to get to, to as many text as I can, but it's a lovely story actually which is kind of another, it's a dog related story, but it's a happier one not to do with biting people and attacking people or dangerous dog this is just dogs in general, I made the papers this morning, they were saying that dogs apparently are a lot more relaxed in electric vehicles than in petrol or diesel cars they're very relaxed in electric, they're not as relaxed in petrol and they're not, a, not really relaxed at all at all in diesel cars I don't know what they'd be like up in a truck or maybe in the passenger seat, if there, well, there's no passenger seat in a, in a tractor, maybe there is, there probably is. But the EV ones are the ones. Apparently they were monitoring their heart rate uh, and filmed throughout the trips. These are researchers really who have Nothing else to be doing, I suppose, then working out how chilled dogs are in cars and what have you. Um, I mean, you could be talking all day of dogs in the car and going on trips with dogs and some of them can handle it and others can't and what have you. Um, but apparently it's electric cars that they absolutely love. They're totally chilled in it. The story that makes the red tops today. Meanwhile, I was recently attacked by a dog of the neighbours down the road. I spent three days in hospital. I'd gone through surgery, but all in all, I was very lucky that it was only limited to one arm. Apart from nasty scars and a lot of pain, I'm dealing with it compared to other survivors of dog attacks. I count myself lucky. It only happened four weeks ago, but I think I put the emotional part of what happened into the back of my head until now because I heard about what happened to young Alejandro. After I heard about it, my mind then went into overdrive. Now all the thoughts rushed through my head. What if I'd been a child? What if there was no gate between me and the dog? Would I have lost my face or worse? The owners acted more devastated than the dog. The dog had to be put down over the fact and they were more devastated than that than what happened to me. Bearing in mind, it could have been done to a child. I'm a dog owner myself, but I don't think, or at least I hope, I would ever go into denial about the fact that at the end of the day, dogs are animals and trusting them should have limits. I really hope that Alejandro recovers as much as possible and I'll be rooting for him through my own recovery. And that's from somebody who themselves was badly attacked by a dog and spent three days in hospital, had to go through quite an amount of surgery and is now left with nasty scars. And the owners of the dog were more devastated that the dog had to be put down as opposed to what the dog did to her. Thank you for that text to 868 104 Good morning.
7: Uh, if Leo um,
1: Martin decides that we have to re-look at this and decides that all of these, well I don't know what he would decide, ban all of the dogs on the dangerous dogs list from say 2024 or something, I don't know, what do you think?
7: Well to be honest with you, first of all I want to extend my, my deepest, deepest sympathies to the family, obviously they're going through a lot at the moment and my heart goes out to them. Like secondly, I just want to point out that the media and politics are milking this situation and they're actually doing the boy a disservice here. And anyone who has been attacked by a dog, they're actually doing a disservice here. Because everything that's been put out there, this the restricted breed list, it is absolute garbage and nonsense and there are qualifiable studies out there to prove it. You can actually go into That the, the media
1: website. only reports when it's um, say for instance, a Rottweiler, or smart. it's only reports it's when it's a pit bull.
7: It's not even that the words they use; it's the breed they put out. It's the, the whole idea of wh- how what breeds are actually specific to being dangerous is absolute rubbish.
1: Well, you do you or disagree that like, the Japanese Akita is a dangerous dog, or the American Pit Bull Terrier, or the English Bull Terrier, or the Mastiff, for not, the Doberman? We're not
7: talking about whether we think they're dangerous or not. We're talking about specific breeds that bite. And if we're looking at that from a factual, a factual point of view, then we're not doing—we're doing people who actually get bitten to service by, pur- 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 like purporting the wrong information. What's wrong about I mean, that information, gonna, like,
1: though? Either they're on the a dangerous border dogs. Border
7: collie. Then. If you look at the studies, if you actually look at the studies, one of the the main dogs to bite with a border collie, you do not see a border collie anywhere on that dangerous dog list. So what we're doing is we're actually creating a situation where people with German shepherds people and another thing you just you just gave misinformation online as well you said that a, a, a pit bull has more has more jaw power than any other dog that's not true do you know a i never said a that i never
1: ever said that you actually i said that one it one is incredible that. power per square inch i didn't say it had the most i sure i wouldn't know that i never said it was but,
7: that's, but you did you just said that the pit bull has the strongest jaw power and that's not true because you've got German Shepherds... No, I, no I didn't
1: say that. I did say at one stage that, okay. according to statistics, it's the highest dog attacks by breed or from pit bulls.
7: But that's not true either.
1: Probably I not. Just it. like everything you read. It's probably not. Yeah. But I'm only saying what I saw.
7: Exactly, because there's a lot of misinformation when it comes I know, but to... but
1: I have to say, so Maureen, like, we have far too many reports in the media or newspaper articles or indeed... People are being attacked by dogs on the dangerous dogs list. Is it that we don't hear about the other ones or that the media ignore the other ones? It's
7: literally, it's what everyone knows. You know yourself. Like if you've got a, if you've got a topic on your station that everybody's gonna ring into, you're gonna you're gonna go with that topic. But it's the same with the government. What pisses me off, sorry, what annoys me about the government is that, that they're using misinformation in regard to this as well, and it's not doing anybody a service who's going to get attacked by a dog. So, if you look at it like I've got a German. One of the more vicious
1: dogs. attacks that I ever had at the hands of a dog, in, and you're right in one regard, it was years and years ago. It was the nastiest, vicious, vicious corgi. Yeah.
0: This Again, corgi I have was. A just
7: Do you know that i I go out every single day with her. I'm very lucky to have the neighbours that I have as well because they've let their children, they've let me train their children around my dog as well. Just so that if she ever did get off the lead, that I wouldn't be too afraid of something happening because she'd already be trained on what to do around people. And I mean, I do that every single day and that's the kind of commitment you need to make to a dog, especially of that size. So I go every single day doing this.
1: They say that I know husband, that, but they say it is said that any dog can attack or bite or nip. But you're in big, big trouble. Hang on a second. You're preparing feels- a habit
7: for your dog. You no. can never trust your dog 100. No, I know that. Animals. I know that. But
1: they're saying that a lot of the times, dogs that are on this list are on it because of their bite power or their strength. So that's why people would be very wary. Say, for instance, of a pit bull exactly. because of its jaws.
7: Yes, but that's the point owners are supposed to be responsible for that dogs are not supposed to be responsible for themselves that's why we get a license we make sure that those services are there to help protect but the services i mean even the dog trust came out and did a study as well recently and that was in the newspapers as well that people don't know how to be around dogs they don't understand the language of dogs like how their dogs would communicate with them and this is what's going on here we've got loads of people like even in lockdown now how many people took in foster dogs? You only have to go to around any rescue now at the moment, and they are full to the brim with dogs, and most of them are big dogs like German Shepherd, especially German Shepherds now, because people get puppies; they don't realise the commitment that it takes to put into a dog. I know that, yeah, and that's
1: that's cruelty. Sure. It is cruelty. It is, you know yeah. the, the, we have, we band- have a problem with people who have dogs, though, and again, these are dogs that are on this list, and either they're out with them, or they're not muzzled, they're not on leads, they're getting out of their homes, or they're allowing them just roam freely. And that's a crime. And
7: that's a problem for me as well. Like my dog is so good now; she's so well trained and so confident that even if another small dog comes up to her, she doesn't get a, she doesn't get afraid. You know what I mean? She knows that I'm that I'm in control; that everything's going to be okay. And this is the problem: you don't have owners out there who are doing this every day. You've got people who are doing backyard breeding to make money. I mean, if you're going to crack down on something, if the government are going to crack down on something. There's two things I'd recommend. First of all, start reading the facts. Because you're not doing anybody a service by kind of getting on on Facebook or on TV. All on, right, I know on, that.
1: Yeah, but it, would you say that another dog, um, just a, kind of a house dog, could inflict the same kind of injuries that were inflicted to injury, injuries to uh, to Alejandro by I mean, the pit bull? I'm pull?
7: telling you that any dog, regardless of breed, and the studies prove this, any dog, small or large, has the ability to attack. And if you're talking about the the bite, I mean the study that they showed. In sixty-four percent of the people that they attacked, that dogs attacked in twenty seventeen, were over the age of twenty. That means there were thirty-six percent of children that that were under twenty and possibly under eighteen. So we have a duty as adults, never mind, never mind, dog owners, we have a duty to make sure that we're reading the correct information and passing around the correct information. Because otherwise, we're part of the problem that this is still happening.
1: Do you believe there shouldn't be ten, um, ten dogs on the breed list?
7: I don't think... Uh, the breed list is an absolute bunch of nonsense and they've proven that with studies. So why people are coming out... Like the, I read about one politician who was putting... I think it was a meat, who was putting up signs and just saying these are on the dangerous dog list. First of all, you're creating... Well, first of all, it's a myth. We'll just get over that part. I mean, obviously... No, it can't
1: be... Uh, look, <coughs> listen, it's, a, it's it about, a the, it's it about a the damage the dog can inflict. You know, there's a difference between being nipped damage. and a dog mauling.
7: Listen, the Doberman is not on the list. They do more damage than German Shepherd on a
1: Rottweiler. Mm, Doberman Pincher's on the list,
7: though. Well, you look at another thing. Yeah, sorry, they are, actually. Yeah. But what else? The Border Collie is not on the list, mm. and they do more damage. Okay. That's what I meant. Okay. And secondly, if you, if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, we're creating a situation then with people who do have bullstaff dogs or kind of bull-breed dogs. Or getting judged before they're even taking the dogs out, but put and that will put kind of create a situation where people are less likely to. Uh, where where it's
1: dog. what concerns us is the hard men, you know, these characters like with the gatch on him taking the dog out, like as if it's some sort of a status symbol to instill fear into the community to show that they're, you know, look at me, look how cool I am, it's I got a dangerous rubbish. dog. It's
7: absolute rubbish, ah, Do you, rubbish. you see the them, you the see these
1: characters, sure. you can see
7: them, yeah. But listen, that's not down to breed, that's down to the person, all right. I mean, these people have, I mean, next year it could be Nikita, next year it could be a German Shepherd, next year it could be a Corgi, like you said, whatever breed, you know, so that's not about the breed, that's about the person.
1: Okay, thanks for that, thanks for that. Paddy actually picks up on the fact that I was referencing there an attack by a Corgi some time ago. You were really vicious nasty when he says, that Corgi probably attacked you, Neil, because you bad-mouthed the Queen. Interesting. Uh, it was a long, long time ago, though, and the Queen was hailing hearty at the time. Anyway, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I'm not going to get time for much more. Let me just let me just see how much I can do because I've got a little bit of uh, one or two other things to do between now and midday. Sean, how are you, Neil? Ah my old scouser how pal. Right, How's it going?
14: All right. It's coming. <laughs> it's grand.
1: it's, it's grand. coming home, Sean. It's coming home.
14: It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me though I have no interest I support my legs Because they support me
1: I was saying to my son The other night Wouldn't they be an awful lot Better off If they didn't have An England team And they just sent The Liverpool team To the World Cup He looked at me oh, Like God, as if yeah. I had two heads He said Not the yeah. current Liverpool team He said
14: No 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 I'll tell you Right Quick story right The first man To ever buy me a drink In a pub Was Kevin Keegan Back in the day <laughs> uh, Really Yeah, I swear to God, you're really right. Now, where I was brought up was a place called Wallasey, right? And obviously there's suburbs around it, right? So in the middle of Wallasey, right, there was a pub called the Wellington. And then in another part of Wallasey, Egremont, there was another pub called the Wellington, right? But if we were going for a drink and we said, oh, we were going to the welly, you'd say either the big welly or the little welly. (laughs) Right, because one was a big pub and one was a little pub. They're all called
2: like um, the
1: Wellington or the Rose and yeah. Crown or the Mason's yeah. Apron or the Barmaid's yeah.
2: Arms or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the come here. I hope you right bought anyhow, Kevin Keegan dogs, a pint back. Right. Anyway, go ahead. You uh, just no, got I it.
14: wasn't old enough. I wasn't old enough. I was only a kid. No. <laughs> but anyhow, going back to dogs, right. now. German have, Shepherd Collie Cross. Yeah, right. I have just rehomed this dog about eight weeks ago. She came from a, a, a family in Cork. Uh, it was through West Cork Animal Rescue Centre, which I would highly recommend. Don't go out and buy a dog. If you really, really want a dog, go through a rescue centre. Okay, but right. as a German Shepherd now, um, yeah, right. that's on the dog it is, list. It is, yeah. And thanks for putting this because you enlightened me because I didn't realise I'm going to go and buy a muzzle when I finished messing around what I'm doing today on my way so home. So do you think that know. there's
1: many people that actually have the likes of a German Shepherd or a Rhodesian Ridgeback or a Rottweiler that don't know that they're on a dangerous dogs list?
14: I'd say so, yes. you know, And if it isn't for the likes of your programme, you know, uh, educating people and enlightening them like myself. But are you worried you know,
1: now about the fact that you do have one and uh, need to be wary?
14: Not really, but because, right, I've had German Shepherds before in, me, in the past, you know, when I was in my 20s, right, you know, and I always make sure they had a good temperament. Now, this one, when she was first brought to the house, you know, for the home inspection. You know, the yeah. owners said, "Listen, you've got to make sure the garden's secure so the dog doesn't yeah. escape." Yeah. We secured the garden. They came down. They had a second look. Made sure the, gar- the dog couldn't escape. But my younger daughter, who's 13, right, had it out about you know after two or three weeks we had it. You know, and we have a full harness on her. you know, good cause man. Because she pulls like a, pulls like a train.
1: Good man. Good man.
14: Good man. So Go get she, the muzzle. Well, yeah. That'll be on... That's the shopping list today. Well done, right. huh? But okay. uh, when she was out, right, she had it on... She had it under control. She's used to dogs. She grew up with dogs, right? But one of the neighbours' dogs used to always be out running around the street, you know, barking at every car, barking at people that walked past and went for the German Shepherd that was on the lead,
1: yeah, you can never tell with dogs, you see. Right, they live so you, in- can
14: you can never no, tell. no, right, you know, I the, the daughter pulled the dog away, you know, and next thing the owner came out, and fair play, you know, the daughter said, your dog should not be escaping from your garden, and if it is out on the street, it should be on a lead. Who said you that? Know, my younger daughter, fair she was 13. Fair play to her. She confronted the neighbour about the dog being out of that, out of its garden and not being on a lead, if it was. And another time she was out walking the dog, a woman had a, one of these little fluffy handbag dogs. Right. And it wasn't on a lead. Right. And the German Shepherd, you know, because we were told it's a bit schizo we're around small dogs. You know, we were given all the information that the old owners, you know, could provide us, you know. And again, the daughter turned around and said, listen, your dog should be on a lead. You know, and this woman got, you're cheeky, and Annabelle goes, I'm not, I'm telling you how it is, your dog should be on a lead. It's the
1: law for all dogs. I wasn't aware that all dogs in all places have to be always on a lead. Okay, nice one, Sean, I need to move on, but thank you for that, and get the muzzle, fair play to you, at least you know now. I was mentioning earlier on this morning that sadly... Uh, Christine McVie has passed away at the age of 79. Um, one of the more extraordinary achievements, of course, was her songwriting, her beautiful voice, and her great piano playing. And everybody knows at this stage that Rumours, released in 1977, became one of the best-selling albums of all time. I'm biased because I have always been a huge Fleetwood Mac fan, and I wait for the day when Lindsay Buckingham rejoins the band. Uh, no disrespect to the uh, the others in the band, but I think it's not the same without him. And the world won't be the same without Christine McVie. She had a short illness, um, and uh, didn't many people didn't know that she was she was ill. She kind of became rather reclusive in in later life. I remember saying that she developed agoraphobia and quit the band and quit California and moved back to um, a very quiet, sedate life in Kent, in England. Um, uh, did reappear and play with uh, with Fleetwood Mac again from time to time. In fact, I saw her. Twice in concert with them. Um, Lindsay Buckingham and herself did a fantastic album together about three or four years ago. It's a super, super album, but she clearly had some illness that took her quite quickly. And it's very sad that she's passed away I was trying to make up my mind as to what song because you wrote many of the Fleetwood Mac songs down through the years but I thought maybe something from Rumours from 77 which went on to become one of the biggest selling albums of all time sold over 40 million copies worldwide and it still sells today and it sells very strong again on vinyl where it belongs so I chose this one Check out John McVie's bass playing on that. I think he drives that band, I really and truly do. Her ex-husband on bass, uh, Mick Fleetwood, of course, would say that it was his drums. Actually, Fleetwood recently said that it was McVee drives the band on bass, drives them forward all the time. I guess it's between bass and drums the late uh, Christine McVie, who passed away yesterday at the age of 79 uh, from the Rumours album. Back after the break.
0: The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104
1: 106. i was almost in a rush to do more, but time has caught up with me again. I just want to finish up on a lighter note What we started on this morning, trying to open different food products, whether it was canned, well, not so much cans. you get a can opener for that, but jars that I can't open, or indeed uh, ketchup salad that they want to ban, I'd be all for banning those. Um, And then other things like, um, you know, we're trying to open sliced cheese, you know, the little packets that come with the peel at the corner thing which is impossible to do text on that i know exactly what you mean about trying to open the cheese what i do is i nip the corner with the nail clippers and that usually allows you to get the peeling back yeah but why does it come with instruction saying open with the nail clippers because certainly it doesn't work with the way they tell and don't even talk to me about open jars the lids of jars i have to stick a knife in the top of it the hardest thing to open are the plastic bags and supermarkets to put in the loose fruit or veg you're right That's another pet peeve of mine. Have you noticed how thin they are? I can never find the top or the bottom. And the same with refuse bags, actually. You know, which one is the top or which is the bottom. Whoever invented the ketchup sachets is a sadistic monster. I agree with everything you have just said. (laughs) They're impossible, says Stephen. Uh, bang the top of the lid with your fist. Then the jam jar should open very easily, says Patton Blackrock. Peel and reseal, they call it. Yeah, right. Peel and reseal, my arse. I have to eventually cut them open. To open a jar, use a teaspoon turned back under the lip and this will release the air. I never thought of that. Again, that should say open with a teaspoon then. I can't open those sachets. There are no perforations on some and you just can't open there's such fiddly things that ketchup sashes. Jam pots as well. I think it must be too nitty gritty for our brains, says Kath. Maybe it's the mother and me, but I always carry a makeup scissors in my handbag. Game changer for cutting the kids ketchup sachets. Or they could just manufacture them so that they're easier to open, right? A quick way to open any jar is to get a rolling pin and give the cover a quick tap at the side. Works every time, says Mike and Mallow. Where would I find a rolling pin, though? (laughs) What drawer would that be in? Anyway, got to go, guys. Uh, Not going to Christmas on this morning, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm out of time. But I tell you what, there are Christmas lights going on tonight. Six o'clock, 1st of December. The North Main Street will not be a silent night. And unlike other streets where we didn't get a switch on, they'll be switching them on on the North Main Street, the Middle Parish Community Centre, the Middle Parish Community Association, I'd say. And everyone is welcome. Lord Mayor will even be there. She must have got uh, a special pass from the... City Manager to go. So the lights will be switched on tonight on the North Main Street 6 o'clock. All are welcome. And a quick shout out and a thank you to Jimmy Crowley Craft Butchers on the Mill Road in Middleton who sent me the most beautiful piece of his national award winning spice beef and he received a gold for it and I can understand why Jimmy Crowley because it was absolutely beautiful. I ate the entire thing in three goes in three Reuben sandwiches. The secret is you need lots and lots of meat. We've got lots and lots of Christmas trees. Our lines are open now. Pick up the phone 0818 104 106. Douglas Court Shopping Centre is the home of Kiernan's Garden Centre. And they've given me the most beautiful, beautiful, noble fir trees of all sizes. So call her tree and call her 30 tree on you know the number. 0818 104 Get dialing for that. Christmas trees to give away. And also, uh, into the mix, we have family pass for the Panto for Tuesday, December 20th, to give away for the Sketchers and Cork Opera House Panto, Sleeping Beauty. So phone lines are open for that. Also, these family passes are for four people. 0818 104 106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.